A metal is a material that, when freshly prepared, polished or fractured, shows a lustrous appearance and conducts electricity and heat relatively well. Guy, I think, um, I think you might have prepped up on the wrong type of metal. I mean, there's a lot of type of metal, but I think you didn't get the right memo, son. Oh, Christ. This is Steve Cast. Welcome to another episode of Steecast. We're on season three, episode two, and this is the metal episode. Well, I'm going to be going through the history of metal music um, from the early 60s, or the late 60s, rather, all the way through to modern day. Um, I haven't got a fancy opening for this one. I'll just get into it. But before I do that, how is everybody doing this week? Well, good, man. Week? Not Crackin bad, not crackin'. bad. Cricket cracker crockolating, is it? Been doing some gardening, but am I fucking... Been aching for like two days straight, it's killing me. Like, no wheelbarrow, is son? Uh, no wheelbarrow, actually, bare fucking hands, but you know, Christ. Oof. How's that scarecrow doing, son? Uh, scarecrow, son, he's, he's doing well, thanks. Thanks. What's his name? Clive? <laughs> Clive the scarecrow. You want to get yourself a strimmer, son, it'll change your life. Uh, I got a strimmer, but we had to turn the grass over, so we had to like rake it down, rip it up, and fucking deroot all the grass and fucking. So are you put in like uh, uh, pavement down or whatever. Full slabs, yeah, full, full slabs. Slab, yeah. Full slab, very big garden. Fire full slab. And uh, also something a note: that GME, uh, what the what the old cast was about last week, fucking rocketed again. Been back on that ride. It's been uh, been a laugh. Didn't learn your lesson. I should have no, part two right did there. Did not learn my lesson. <laughs> What's a bit so, right? Is I caught it. Uh, it. I was on plus 125 quid. It went down to. I, I said to Sean, I said, if it gets to 80, I'm going to fucking get out. Like, you know, so it got to 80, clicked the button, but by the time it processed, it only fucking checked me 40 quid. I was pretty fucking fuming, like. Well, there we go. There we go. That's, that's life for now. I've been back on it since and lost it, but, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it goes. I learned my lesson. What a right, son. What a right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy. me. Crazy kids. I'm still in the game, but I'm I'm really low. I'm down to like nine quid. I'm uh, not not doing well. It's a hard um, game. Options they call it. It's a uh, it's a hard game, like. Tell you what, I just realised I've been holding for fucking weeks, so I'm going to charge a percentage per day. How, how cumulative is that? Am I going to have like to one, give... one, one pence a day is all. Is it? Yeah, it's not it going takes, to be a takes it chunk. out every night. Yeah, you'll be fine. Oh, it takes it in advance, does it? Yeah, right. if you look in your payments, it'll, it'll flag in your payments. Oh, amazing. I thought like when I cash it in, it'd be like, oh, yeah, so I'm up three quid, <laughs> but I own three quid for all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Banging. How's everyone else's uh, month been? A couple of weeks. All good, yeah. man. Yeah, been all right. I mean, we're all still in. Lockdown. What do you make of Yoris's uh, Yoris's roadmap uh, for for freedom? Then you were uh, bullshit. 
You reckon it's bullshit? You think it's going to happen? It seems to me that one day it's going to be like everyone's still staying apart from each other and wearing masks, and then the next day it's like a Reading Festival or something. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go from one extreme to the other in a space of like a month or something. That's my can't take on it all. No, you are, you are right. Guys. Everyone's suddenly under the impression right. that like suddenly one day we're going to have like 80,000 people in a festival or however many it is. And, uh, but the week before, you know, I, I can't even go to Cardiff or whatever, or, uh, you know, two miles down the road or whatever. So in relation to this bit, cast, bit odd, that is. in relation to this cast, we will not be going to see Mayhem at the end of this month. That's definitely not going to happen. Even that though we still haven't cancelled the gig. Yeah, I know My it's fucking annoying. Mm. What's the latest on that show? That hasn't actually I, been rescheduled. It hasn't been rescheduled. To my knowledge, it might well have been. I haven't noticed, but um. No, no, we would have seen that definitely. I've got both uh, Mayhem and, and Mortis on my social medias and it hasn't been cancelled. Downloads cancelled, isn't Downloads it? Downloads cancelled, yeah. Someone said. cancelled, yes, yes, yes. It's too early yeah. in June. It's one of the early ones on the festival circuit. It's like download. Yeah, yeah I know me and, me and Gareth are meant to be going to Slam Dunk. That's, has that been moved now, Gareth? Uh, it has, isn't it? It has. I'm sure it's been moved. I don't know when till, though. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. Who are the headliners of that? Anyone, anyone of note? Uh, Sum 41, I think. Headline, Christ, I, thought, I, don't they were, I thought they were headline. written off. Sum 41 are a headline, surely. I thought they were. I'm going, I'm going for Motion City soundtrack, but I not really pay much attention to headliners, to be honest with you. That's Anyone fair. goes to a festival for the headliners is a poser. I want to get that out <laughs> before we start. <laughs> I only go to a huge festival. I pay 300 quid for a festival, and I only go to the third or fourth stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's I'm Mister Mister Hipster Metal, but um, <laughs> and I will pay five pound for a two bog. Yeah, I'm the best. It's got to be more than that now, truly. I was paying Probably a fiver that, for um fucking Carlsberg two bog back in oh god, you know what I mean? Yeah, so is is still on Slam Dunk? Because at one point they randomly announced Alkaline Trio, although I never expected Alkaline Trio to play it. But at one point they were like, "Yeah, Alkaline Trio are playing it." Is that even a thing, or was I forgotten about? No, I think they're still meant to be playing it. Are they? I'm pretty can, sure. Confirm that for me. Hang on. Uh, that, that'd be pretty. Uh, that'd be pretty nuts if. if uh, I think they kind of announced it with no intention of them playing. That's why it's. Yeah, like they to they me. they have they have moved it to uh, this uh, September now, guy. September. Just confirming that. But. Uh, it's a bit more of a safe date, though, now you know. Uh, so they they have actually said that they. The lineup is now sort of going to be changed. He said it will remain very similar to the postponed lineup, but it's going to be different in some senses. So it's probably going to be a lot more British bands on there and less American bands, one would imagine. Brexit might have a lot to do with a lot of stuff as well, so with respect. Brexit. Brexit. Ah, Brexit. It might do. It might do. I know um, uh, Brexit has actually fucked over a lot of like Rody's jobs. Like working work like uh, European festivals and stuff like that, and a lot of them used to. I'm sure. I'm sure Luke knows a lot about that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's just, well, I've no words to even describe my feelings on it. To be honest, yeah. as soon as you start touring from a semi-professional um, or even amateur level, um, you're now going to need visas to cover it. And, yeah, you know, it's an absolute fucking nightmare. Whereas before, you could literally book a tour, get yeah. in a van, and go. Yep. So you can't a, really a visa per country as well, per European country. And how I many mean, countries do they usually toll? I, I don't know if in, the Schengen agreement still kind of counts, so a lot of Western Europe will be open border once you're in Western Europe. 
I don't know if that still counts. I have no clue. Like I would imagine like Belgium and Holland have like the same thing, don't they? They don't really have a hard border. No, they don't have a hard border, but like all. if you had a visa, it would probably count for the two. Yeah, that's what I mean. So like, you'd yeah. have like any Schengen country, so it'd be like France, uh, Belgium, Holland, like you said, Netherlands, um, mm-hmm. and Germany, I think. I, I, I fucking don't know. Maybe Switzerland, even though it's not EU, it's still in Europe. Or does Switzerland have a hard border? can't remember i remember going to switzerland on a train and then the like, guards came on and took my passport and stuff so maybe it has got a it's not in the schengen area maybe mm. anyway i'm talking out of my ass i have no idea what i'm talking about yeah um, on the topic of festivals is this a good segue into our topic of the cast anyway it is this is um so. the first cast i've presented in a while um yeah, I, I, I tend to do the recap episodes but i guess the first one i've written i think since Fuck, I think since Brexit, maybe it's been ages. But um, yeah, so um, this is the cast history of metal, um, and it's written by myself. So I would just like to give a quick disclaimer: I'm an elitist dickhead who spent way too much time in my teenage years and my early twenties listening to metal, um, and the episode was written by me. So I would like to advise in advance that they will inevitably be bands and maybe even genres that I have missed out entirely. Um, that I have not. Let us know if there are any. Let us know. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. If if, I've, if yeah. it's not something that I have not adequately touched on, or a band that you think has contributed to the history of metal that I have not mentioned, because it, 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 this is the Cliff Notes version. Um, like I say, I, I don't claim to be a metal scholar or expert or anything like that. This is not academic. This is just me and my my hobby and my interests that just happened to be listening to metal all these years. And this is what I've just put together as a list of the history of metal. Um, that being said, as well, some metalheads that are listening, if there are any listening, may notice a bias as we go on for the 80s and 90s to covering rather the excesses of that era, um, the more underground genres that developed in that time. So whilst these genres now are not truly underground anymore, nothing is, the subculture is dead because of the internet. Um, yeah. It may anger some of you why I'm talking about random obscure genres rather than not X, Y or Z great stadium filling band um, but please remember that changes growth and innovation happens on the fringes and then works its way into the mainstream um, which is tried and true for any genre really just ask any pop or electronic artist of the last 10 years that's been overusing the same fucking generic dubstep snare drum in every <laughs> single fucking track <laughs> um, true fucking that so let the uh, let the games commence i suppose um my first section is called what is this that stands before me um, and those are the opening lyrics to a song called Black Sabbath, um, a song by a little-known band at the time called Black Sabbath, um, Sabbath. which is the, and that song was the it was the first track of their first album, which was called uh, Black Sabbath. And um, <laughs> is, is there an, an, an opening lyric apt enough for what was about to hit the world? What is this shit indeed? Um, so I'm not one of those people that will wildly, wildly go about proclaiming that Black Sabbath invented metal. In fact, um, this is an argument probably as old as metal itself. Lots of people holding different opinions on who invented metal. Um, so I will give you a quick few examples, and then I'll open the floor to to others who may have others uh, have, have other ideas about. Actually, tell you what, I'll do that first. Who do you think invented metal? Where do you think metal came from? That's a good um, shout. So I know. I'm not saying he invented metal, but I know he played a part, and that was George Harrison uh, with his yeah. guitar playing. I know, like, uh, Helter Skelter being the main culprit of that, um, sort of was the prototype, I guess, of a metal riff. 
Some consider um, that the first Metal Riff even. Yeah, I know that's that's one of them. And then, well, I would agree that Black Sabbath are probably the first metal band. Oh, crazy. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'd probably that. agree with uh, Black Sabbath, but I've always had a bias towards... People seem to like, you know, everyone goes nuts for the Beatles. I've always loved the Kinks growing up, right? Ever since Top I was man. like fucking, fucking seven, like I nicked the CD from the library, you know, it was best of Kinks. <laughs> and loved loved it ever since. I had no idea what the song Lola was about until like fucking fifteen years later, which was uh, which was you know that, that was a daring topic. Oh my chair, which was uh, my chair, which was a daring topic to uh, sing about at the time, I suppose. But uh, it was the the way they did on the amplifiers. When I haven't really brushed up on it, but it was something. You are absolutely correct. Yeah, you are. You are. I'm glad you mentioned that because I've got that written down. Um, some say it was the Kinks that started, not started metal, but started. Um, were they one of the first people to have the practice of cutting, like physically cutting the cones in their amplifiers to achieve distortion on their guitar sound? This was before guitar pedals. So we talked about That's like cool, 60s. that's cool. Um, so they are attributed with manufacturing a distorted guitar sound, much like the one used in Helter Skelter and other people's tracks, rather than inventing metal, as it were. But without that, if mm. that didn't happen, if that wasn't a practice, if that wasn't a desired guitar sound, would metal have ever come about as, you know, as a knock-on effect? That's a bloody good question. It's a it's, butterfly effect. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good question. It's a catalyst, then, Sean, really. It is indeed. Yeah. And the other one I had was the Beatles, specifically Helter Skelter. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I knew you two, one of you two would bring up at some point. The other one is what my, my art and media studies teacher insisted on, and I cannot find any reference to this online, insisted that Blue Oyster Cult invented heavy metal. Now, Blue Oyster Cult really? didn't re- release, start releasing albums until like 72, something like that. That's so what I'm thinking, yeah, that was like years. 70, sort of. Uh... They were a few years too late. So I don't really, like they're in there, surely they're in there. It's like, you know, the lighter side of metal, but I can't see how they were part of the start of it. No, no. But, um, so anyway, I have bad news for all of you. None of those answers are right. <laughs> there's no right answer. No, Nobody invented uh, metal per se. Again, someone's jumping on my script by saying this. Someone said it just now. No one invented it. It didn't just spring up overnight. It was like most musical genres and movements. It gestates from other things around it, morphs and forms into its own thing, then gets comfortable and develops its own tropes. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The majority of people, as we've kind of agreed, say that Black Sabbath more or less it defined metal in January 1970, or at least laid the template for what metal could build off. But the term metal wasn't coined until many years later. At the time, in 1970, Black Sabbath was just another heavy blues band. Granted, they were heavy, very heavy blues band. But um, can you imagine how seismically heavy Tony Iommi's Durgin riffs sounded in 1970? Like, you buy a fucking record in a record store, you're listening to the fucking Rolling Stones all your life, and you buy (laughs) Black Sabbath and chuck it on, and it's just like a seven-minute, like, doom metal just like brown, <laughs> brown, brown. I bet that was a hell of an experience to live through. Imagine, uh, you know, being around for the, you know, stuff like that coming in. That must have been, uh, that must have been cool. That must have been cool time, like. Definitely. And another thing, this is another thing is like, it doesn't. It seems really like overdone now. But I got the gatefold. My dad had like the third press in. It's not an original. But the gatefold of um, the Black Sabbath self-titled. And you open the gatefold up. It's a fucking upside-down cross. You know what I mean? <laughs> In yeah. 1970, like, it, that fucked a lot of people off. They had the whole satanic thing going on. Well, Black Sabbath is a satanic ritual or some shit, isn't, I think. Isn't there something about when they were recording, didn't they record their album in some sort of haunted 
building or something. They or... recorded an album, uh, they with maybe an album or maybe several albums in a castle in Wales, um, which was supposed to be oh. haunted. That was later on. Yeah. That wasn't the first album. That was later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, um, I can't remember which album that is, but it was, um, oh, I need to know now. We think, I think we're talking like third, fourth or fifth kind of um, Aussie era album when they were in their, in their prime um, in the mid-70s. I, I remember I read up everything on Black Sabbath, but I can't remember which <laughs> album. But yes, you are right. You are absolutely right. Yeah. Um, a lot of people attribute um, the, the heavy tone of, of Tony Iommi's playing, which defined the, the metal riffing, I suppose. Um, do you know what happened to Tony Iommi's hands? Yeah, hand. so it was, it was a, a bandsaw accident, wasn't it? He cut the top of his finger off, so oh, he had right, yeah. so he You're had right. to play. So he had to play with a thimble on his finger to actually um, press the strings properly. Uh, wasn't there something like that? You're absolutely right. It wasn't a bandsaw. It was yeah. industrial press, which came down and industrial cut the press. ends of his hand fingers off. Oh, fuck. Yeah. On the last day of his job in his factory yeah. in the factory in Birmingham. One and, more than um, them boys. Yeah, it was like, this is my last day. Cut my fucking hand off. Um, and yeah, he was like, he, he was quitting to become a touring musician. I think. If he thinking still Jeff had his told, hands, then would would it have kicked off like that? Well, he cut these these, these like end bits of your fingers. Yeah, the, the bits where you sorry, the bits you touch the threat with were gone. And he I was think, quitting think, his factory job to be a touring musician. I think with Jeff Tull. and he was fucking just devastated. And like, I think it was mainly the middle and index finger, wasn't it, or something like that? It wasn't all of them. I think it was just... m- you c- you can see it now if you look at videos yeah. of him playing and stuff. It's more of some fingers than the others <laughs> that I miss. Yeah, because he, he um, play- I know I remember reading it. Um, I mean, grow- growing up reading my dad's Total Guitar magazines, you find out all these weird facts about bands and shit like that. And that was one that I always remember. It was a very memorable story, I guess, to remember because like. Uh, you know who plays with a thimble on their yeah. finger to play the guitar, and like I think over time they made him a special sort yep. of rubber skin-like mm-hmm. thimble, so, so like it has, makes a more natural almost. sound on the guitar. Yeah. So. Whether it's true or not, although a lot of people do say that his that 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 extra like pressure and weight and stuff he was using to to like clumsily play the guitar without fingertips, and the fact that he was he originally was melting plastic bottles onto his fingertips. To, 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 um, so what the sorry fuck was that? that? My fault, my fault, <laughs> my fault. Sorry, guys. Not a problem at all, son. Not a problem at all. We are live. We are live. This is Decast. And we are silent. <laughs> fuck. But, um, my margin is low if anyone wants to know. <laughs> oh, shit. It's one of them. I am going. I'm all right. You need to, you need to fund your stonks, son. <laughs> you haven't adequately funded your stonks. But yeah, to- Tony Iommi though, I-, I never, as a guitarist, like I never thought he was that good. <laughs> and I know a lot of people will probably slap me for saying that, but I don't know. I, I know he he sort of was the, the godfather of Essentially, metal. that is it really. Yeah. I mean, he's just um, heavy. One of the first people to play super heavy. I think we're talking more sound though, Rich. I mean, we talk, we talk yeah, more so, yeah, yeah. innovation I'm not, I'm not, of sound. Yeah, I'm not faulting anything like that, but I just mean as from a guitarist point of view, I wouldn't like I wouldn't say that he was one of my all time favourite guitarists. I think he helped like the modern day or like metal go along. Without uh, a shadow of a doubt. Far better guitarist than him since then. Same with Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton's well overrated. But it's you know, they, they kind of helped pave the way for that sound, you know. It's just how heavy it was for the time. If you yeah, listen to totally, like Sweetly totally. from 1972, the third album, it's just like, how is that from 72? Um, Electric Funeral off the um, Paranoid album, it's just like, 
this is like you know decades ahead of its time it's it's insane like um, people say it was the um the claustrophobic and smog-filled working class environment of birmingham in the 70s which uh, and 60s which caused black sabbath to be so heavy and depressing but um, <laughs> again that's up for debate but were black sabbath the first metal band did they release the first metal album now i'm going to use this opportunity yeah. here in this section to name a few lesser known album known albums that may have been released around or before black sabbath self-titled which went under the radar as it were um so the first band I'm going to mention is Blue Cheer. Has anybody heard of Blue Cheer? No, I, I haven't. No. I'll be honest with you. That's not a band I have heard of. So another heavy heard blues band. band. Another heavy <laughs> blues band, just like Sabbath were. Um, specifically, in 19, 1968, they released an album called Vincibus Eruptum. So that's pipping Sabbath to the post by two fucking years. Um, now, I'm not saying Blue Cheer invented metal, and they certainly have more blues in their blood than Sabbath do, than, uh, you know, the sooty, kind of grimy, slow Birmingham kind of doom that they were doing. <laughs> Blue Cheer are not to be sniffed at. Blue Cheer are definitely a proto-metal band. Similarly, I'll draw your attention to a band called Sir Lord Baltimore, in particular their 1970 album Kingdom Come, filled with strutting psychedelic blues rock, surely another contender for a proto-metal band overlooked by the festering masses. And finally, on that note, most importantly, the band called Coven, um, a female-fronted occult rock band that used distorted guitars much in the way that uh, Sabbath did and also used similar satanic themes. Um, their album 1969's Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reaps Souls not only predates Sabbath self-titled, it is a record that is still emulated to this day um, in its spooky look and feel and its occult rock vibe from the smallest, obscurest doom metal band all the way through to metal giants like Ghost. It is vital yet flies literally under the fucking under the radar completely um seems i'm just fucking spewing these out other contenders for the proto metal tag include the crazy world of arthur brown james gamora i am the lord of hellfire and i give you fire what a tune um like stonery like hippie bands like leafhound i would recommend 1971's subtly named growers of mushroom um a fantastic (laughs) album Black Widow are worth a mention, as, of course, are Led Zeppelin for their dirty and distorted guitar work, as is, of course, um, the legendary Jimi Hendrix for his distorted guitar playing. I was, um, was going to mention Jimi Hendrix when you brought the kinks up, actually, about the, the whole distortion thing, because he was su- supposedly one of the people to invent it, I guess, in a way, um, by kicking his guitar amp, I think it was, rather than uh, purposely <laughs> cutting the cones. But I don't know if that's true it. or not. You know, I've got no evidence to back that up. So, but yeah, um, oh, wild speculation will do. Is this what we do on Sneakcast? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> the um, the second band you mentioned was a Sir, Sir Lord it? Baltimore. Yeah, so I I had a listen. Um, oh, may as well mention it now while we're here. We do have oh, yeah. Um, yeah, a playlist that we're we're checking up after this episode um, on Spotify of, well, most of the tracks that. You know, most of the artists Sean's talked about and stuff. Um, there will be yeah. ones that he may not have, but it's just kind of a, a whole, I don't know, metal playlist essentially by Steedcast. Exactly. Um, so, so I uh, I had to listen to that, and that that one that the song of that band came up that you put on, and I really enjoyed the music, but then he started singing, and I just <laughs> went, Nah, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> it I just was not was not a fan of the singing, like, but uh, cracking music, oh, really good music. I enjoyed that. A lot of those are just blues bands that are playing with heavy distortion. You know, they've all got that same kind of vibe, same kind of sound. 
I mean, rock, just rock music in general has, was birthed from blues. It's blues yeah. music. You know, that's, exactly. that's, that, that is the, the sort of beginning. Well, that, that's I it. Like, look, Jimmy, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, perfect example. He is blues on fire. You know what yeah. I mean? He's yeah. like, he literally, that's like, you know, especially the, the you know, the, the passion and the struggle of like the, it's basically white people stealing black music. That's, that is literally <laughs> musical history. The end. Isn't that like, how it's gone? Yeah. Always like. <laughs> so moving on then, metal into the 70s continued much in this vein. Um, it steered somewhat away from blues and began to find its own feet. Um, it would really enter the realms of excess in the 80s and begin to splinter off into more different niche corridors of sounds. But yes, the 70s are not to be overlooked. Uh, in the 70s, a lot of metal and rock bands, uh, the terms were kind of used interchangeably because metal wasn't really a thing probably until like mid-70s and then like it just kind of got used interchangeably, heavy metal, hard rock, all the rest of it. It's worth mentioning a few bands that sprung up and released groundbreaking metal or hard rock albums in the 70s, to name but a few. Um, I had ACDC not included on the list, but stuff like that, ACDC, Kiss. Um, bands I don't really consider to be metal, but um, I know the Stig's like... Some Stig's uh, other than myself, we like you like some like seventies rock, hard rock stuff. So, yeah, any anyone you want to chuck in here? Um, I'd probably say Thin Lizzy. To be honest with you, it's good. Um, I would chuck Thin Lizzy. Cream around, Cream again. That's a fucking shout. I think Cream might even be late sixties. Fucking Cream, Clapton and Cream. How could I miss them? (laughs) Guitar again. It's just. Yeah, decent sound. White it's, room, isn't it? White room. It's uh, it's this thing about metal. It's such a such a wide genre. It's just there's so many <laughs> easy to miss. Yeah, easy to miss bands. That's back in like. proto metal easily. Fucking uh, Cream '66 first record. '66. Um, so what's I don't know whether the fucking '66 to like yes and early '70s. Amazing. Well, that'd be buggered. Yeah. <laughs> Clapped on a course. Good shout, fucking good shout. Finn Lizzy as well, very influential. I mean, Metallica covered them on the fucking, you know, on the Damage Inc. Anything that's on Damage Inc. is, not Damage, is it da- Garage Inc., the covers album by Metallica, you know, is uh, a good roadmap for what was influencing metal yeah. in the early 80s. Um, yeah. Finn Lizzy's on there with Whiskey in the Jar. Even though I think that was added later in the 90s reissue of that album, they obviously did a video for it. And, you know, which D- made Thin that. Lizzy are a very influential band for a lot of bands, and it's quite surprising, really. I always think of them as being a bit underrated because they're never mentioned in the same highs as certain bands, but I think they should be. Well, that's my personal opinion, anyway. Because in, in terms of guitar playing and bass playing, vocals, even drumming, there's just the entire band was good at what they did, and uh, yeah. yeah, I would definitely put them in there. Um, another one uh, is a Welsh band. Uh, uh, what's it called? Budgie? Is it Budgie? I know Budgie. Budgie. Yeah. I think you were going to say Badfinger, but Budgie is... I, I don't know when when they were out, though. That might be 80s. Was that 80s or was that 70s? I'm sure... Because I'm, I'm sure Metallica was oh, influenced no, by it. Budgie, uh, founded in 67. There we go. Yeah, so... Classic, um, um, our, originally from Cardiff, Wales, relocated to San Antonio, Texas. Well, yeah, so this <laughs> yeah. is why Metallica... Metallica big fans of uh, Budgie. So this is uh, from, I think Andy Brotherton told me this uh, one day. Um, but yeah, they, hey, Andy. they are uh, <laughs> a big influence of Metallica. Budgie. And this is so, perfect because this fits perfect into the era that we're currently on in the cast as well. The yeah. first album, self-titled 71, Budgie self-titled album. I have never heard that. I need to listen to that. That's fucking great. That's another thing about metal is that no matter how much you think you know, it's always something you haven't heard. <laughs> Yeah. There's always something new. This is where yeah, um, yeah, yeah. linesinwax.com plug. I'm literally like <laughs> an endless journey to, to fucking 
not just metal but everything but it's just you can get almost listener fatigue because there's so much music you will never hear and it's like it's impossible to be an encyclopedia on on something you know especially something that's like 50 years old now and all it can be quite overwhelming Sean. It can. It can be overwhelming. You can burn yourself out. That's why I do Lines in Wax, to write down every album I listen to and then write a bit about it. No one reads that website, but it's just... My reviews now are literally just a paragraph, but it's for me to like catalogue in my brain. Because I gave up trying to buy all the albums I love years ago because it's just too expensive. But I can't just listen to... Ton- I've listened to like five, six, seven albums a day and then I forget what they were because you know, there's so much and it does burn you out. But this slows me down a bit. Kind of. <laughs> you know? So anyway, um, some bands that I would track in this in this era, this era, um, Motorhead, um, oh, developed. Of course, yeah. Again, a lot of people don't really consider Motorhead to be metal, but they developed like a swaggering rock meets punk kind of vibe before punk was even a genre. In like, I, the I always late thought 70s. it was. They considered it thrash. I thought that was. I thought they they sort of birthed the thrash movement of metal. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a massive yeah. influence on, on thrash metal. Absolutely. Even they kind of played thrash later in the 90s and in the 2000s. They kind of had that sound to them mm. as well. But um, to start with, it was just like really heavy rock and roll, I guess. It wasn't, you know, at the time, again, really heavy. Um, just, just another quick disclaimer I'm not touching punk with a fucking barge pole unless I have to because it does cross over sometimes. You think metal fans are pedantic nerds who argue over obscure black metal on terrible internet forums? Then uh, you've never fallen afoul of the punk police, my friends. They are fucking. <laughs> they are out to get you. It's kind of um, funny because they're all on about anarchy and all that shit. Yeah, unless it's post-punk, then it's just all nerds, man. You know? Fair. Ooh, Fugazi, oh. man. I got this first Fugazi first press. I remortgaged my house to buy it. Um, <laughs> Deep Purple, seventies. Deep Purple band. Um, Morph their way through a series of explorative, still fairly heavy records. Of course, they're known for Smoke on the Water. Um, yeah. Pretty much fucking definitive hard rock, heavy metal riff. Um, so they formed in 1968. So they also have a, a claim of like the proto-metal thing. I missed them off the list because I was mentioning that I'm here. Uh, arguably, they didn't come into their own until 1970s Deep Purple in Rock. And in 1972, they had the Machine Head album, which is like considered a classic um, of heavy metal. So if you know, that's a shout out there. Listen to Machine Head by... Uh, Deep Purple. Also, that obviously influenced the band Machine Head. That's obviously where they got the name from, then. Which are of, of varying quality, depending on which era you listen to. But, um, talking, time. Uh, talking to Deep Purple, then, what about uh, people like Frank Zappa, then? Where, Frank where Zappa, now, I love Zappa because he's absolutely off his fucking nut. Yeah. I'm more like psychedelic, <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It, so this, is, more, this is the thing, it's try, trying to. I guess pigeonholes and these people is can be quite difficult. It is difficult. <laughs> and I, I started yeah. going down the Zappa route and I was looking at like stuff he worked with, like Captain Beefheart and all this mental stuff. And I was like getting into jazz and like avant garde. Mm. And I was like, this needs to stop somewhere. And Zappa can't really fall into yeah, it. Well, I suppose he can, I, I can. He's done loads of noisy shit. But like, yeah. you know, it's it's hard. <laughs> do, 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 do you like any particular Zappa? Uh, Zappa no, I. No, my dad. My dad's a big uh, Frank Zappa fan. I, I'm not like I know of the songs, but I don't really know them. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, growing same, growing up, same. growing up, I hear my fair share. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Rainbow worth mentioning again, seventies band. Um, being tied to Sabbath in the form of Dio, and Deep Purple in the form of Richie Blackmore. You know, Rainbow kind of existed as a amal- amalgamation of other bands, even 
not maybe at the same time. Deep, Deep Purple members uh, Ian Gillen and Glenn Hughes have both also been vocalists for Black Sabbath, but we'll get to that later on. Um, an important one is, uh, again, from, from, from England, is Judas Priest. Judas Priest, who really came into their own in the 70s. Uh, it's definitely touching on their evolution because they kind of started as just another rock band. Their first album, Rock and Roller, is just kind of boring rock rock music. But um, they kind of went on to re- release several groundbreaking albums in the in the 70s and became a metal band. Um, their albums like Sad Wings of Destiny, Killing Machine, Stained Class, all fucking really good, like, you know, early metal albums. Um, it's also worth mentioning that Jewish Priest had the lockdown as well with all that leather and fucking... Mm metal and motorcycles and all the rest of it. Are they no, from as well, did you say? I think they might be, actually. Well, Halford, I don't know. Know. Birmingham is responsible for so much they from metal music. If, I'll double check now. I think, I think like they I should... are. I'm sure they are. Uh, in 1975, a small unknown band formed in East London. They wouldn't really make any waves until the new decade came around, but you may have heard of them, and we'll get to them in a bit. Um, again, finally going back to Black Sabbath, um, of course, they had what many considered to be their classic run in the 70s. Um, your 1970s self-title we talked about quite a lot back then. That was followed up really quickly with the album Paranoid, which was like, blew them up like worldwide. That was in the same year, so two albums in one year. Um, Paranoid is originally supposed to be called War Pigs, but the record label was like, nah, son, not having it. Um, so it's called <laughs> Paranoid instead. Um, ironically, Paranoid was the song which everyone knows. They wrote that like as like last minute addition to the album. Um, Master of Reality came out in 72 and um, Volume 4 came out in 72 no, no Master, of, Master of Reality was 71 Volume 4 was 72 so within, within three years they had four albums and it was just like you know superstardom and Volume 4 was supposed to be called Snowblind but again the record label was like nah fam not calling it Snowblind that's so too obvious so they've got a song called War Pigs called War Pigs it's the first song on the Paranoid album it was supposed to be the name yeah, of the yeah, album yeah. But, but the album what's wrong with Snowblind Snowblind is there a reference to, um, well, the, 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 the song Snowblind starts with like a kind of sound. <laughs> so like it's, a, it's about taking loads of cocaine, essentially. Um, oh, 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 okay. All oh, right, right. That's no. And they also have a song called uh, Sweet Leaf, which starts with someone coughing. So it's like, you know, it's all like drugs, drugs, shit, drugs, drugs, drugs. Which, of course, you know, was a bit more, you know, you know weren't so open about using drugs. People, people weren't. You know, like, oh yeah, I smoke weed. You know, in, in the seventies, even though everyone was smoking weed in the seventies, just didn't want to admit it publicly. It's, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned Paranoid is just like a last-minute song that became like their biggest track, basically. Yeah, they, they sound that's, do not. That's do happened. Not do. That's happened to a few bands in history. Like, it's great, isn't the, it? It's like off the, the top magic of my head, is there. I know, like, I know, like, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana. I know that was Kurt Cobain's least favorite song, and he wanted it scrapped off the album completely. But the record label said, "No, that's a hit," and it was. I think it was the same with Basket Case as well. I'm sure Billy Joe didn't actually like the song, and it became a big one of the biggest hits. Like so, it's it's crazy when shit like that happens. Just like you know, the quick the quick like one off track that you do to fill an album ends up becoming your biggest fucking hit. Crazy. Well, I think it was Creep by Radiohead as well. Or, or is, is it just that they dislike that song because they played it so much? I can't remember. I think they they, they won't play it anymore. I think that's bad though when when bands do that because they are sick of it. You know, it's not about them, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Imagine how Metallica feel. <laughs> Metallica. They look to like, be, to look be like fair, Metallica it, mix it up. They do play stuff from all over their catalog, even the stuff that people hate, <laughs> like um, stuff off um, you know Saint Anger and stuff. They they still play it live. It's, um, they just can't. Metallica can do what the fuck they want, realistically. 
um, which yeah. they did that's where you got stuff like St. Anger and uh, the collab with <laughs> Lou Reed which is just I don't mind St. Anger I think I love that Anger. album's alright they do I love it, but it is that's hideously an unpopular opinion. <laughs> like we were all, in about, the all about that snare, but all about that snare. Snare is fantastic. That snare has a lot to answer for in my own musical journey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, through, through the seventies, and Sabbath kept releasing albums. They were fucking pumping them out. They had eight albums in the seventies. Um, they went on to do Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and Sabotage after the Classic Four. Those two albums followed. One of them was recorded in the Haunted Castle. We spoke about earlier. Can't remember which one. Uh, and then things like they were like just on drugs all the time. Things were falling apart. Um, Ozzy left and rejoined. Left rejoined. Um, the last two albums of the seventies are really like ugh, technical ecstasy. Was their seventh, I think. And then the after Ozzy left, he rejoined to record Never Say Die, which is just bad. And then Ozzy left, and that's that was basically Sabbath's classic run from like seventy to seventy eight. And that was kind of like they've been going ever since, more or less. But um, that was the the, the 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 Sabbath period, as it were. Yeah. So that leaves us um, basically as as Killing Joke once said, eighties. We are um in the eighties. Killing Joke, not a metal band. That was a bad joke to make. I killed the joke. <laughs> no. uh, ah. Yeah, Christ. Well, I'll keep talking. Um, <laughs> this is where metal changed and really came into its own. By the 80s, like, metal was a thing. It wasn't just, like, bands that were playing heavy. Um, Ozzy fucked off from Sabbath. Dio fucked off from Rainbow. So, of course, Dio joined Sabbath. And in 1980, Sabbath got a second wind with the album Heaven and Hell. Um, it's not one that I like, personally. It kind of gets a bit... Dio is, like, really, like... Wee! So, like, um, you know, whether Ozzy is really, like, can't sing and bluesy, Dio is, like, a classically... I don't know if he's classically trained, but he's got that, like, proper, like, vocalist pipes on him. Uh, so yeah, they got a new lease of life with Dio as the vocalist. They released two albums in quick succession in the early 80s, Heaven and Hell, followed by Mob Rules. Um, at this point, Bill Ward quit the band. I think he had a heart attack. He just quit the band. Too much coke. Um, Dio would go on to record two more albums with Sabbath. Um, a really random and little-known one in the early 90s called Dehumanizer, which is super heavy. No one seems to like that one. That's my favourite fucking Dio album um, with Sabbath. And then again, in the late 2000s, they reformed as a band called Heaven and Hell. Heaven and um, Hell was the band then, yeah, that's right. Which was the name of the first album they did with Dio because they didn't want to incite the wrath of uh, Sharon Osbourne's lawyers. Um, <laughs> I've not actually heard that album. I need to listen to that. Um, oh yeah, totally, yeah, Christ did that at the time. They came to Cardiff, Dio, Dio, Dio fronted Sabbath, and they played the, the motor point. But um, I was just Mr. Grindcore back then, so I completely just fucking went over my head. Um but yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself with this, this deal business and this Sabbath business. 1980 was the year of metal. Fight me in the comments. Um, <laughs> Judas Priest released British Steel in um, 1970. Do you have anything to say British about British Steel? Uh, British Steel guy. Have you got any notes on British Steel? Um, no, I did. Have, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the wrong, uh, I, I prepped for the wrong metal, son. <laughs> have you got a future with British Steel? Have you made plans for Nigel? Well, yeah, of course I have. Um, that was an ecstasy uh, reference there. The band Ecstasy, not a metal band. Uh, anyway, Judas Priest released British Steel. Arguably one of the greatest metal albums of all time. Absolutely perfect. Start to finish. And it has Breaking the Law on it, which is like one of the best fucking songs ever. Or oh, has one of the best riffs ever. Oh, it's an iconic riff. That is. Yeah, fight me in the that, comments. Right? I like down, now, 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 now. The breakdown bit. Is yeah. it a breakdown? Like the, the middle eight, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> um... 
Yeah, and then um, that East London band I mentioned, they uh, dropped an album in 1980 called uh, Iron, Maiden, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, yeah, there we go. The band was also hey, called hey, Iron Maiden. Hey, guys, we got the Maiden finally. <laughs> <laughs> released their debut album in 1980 to much applause and without a Bruce Dickerson in sight. Um, Maiden, of course, would go on to fucking dominate the metal landscape over the next two decades. The 80s alone seen year after year, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84 albums, self-titled Killers, Number the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, bang, year after year, fucking killing it, literally. Okay, um, Bruce Dickerson joined on the third album, Number of the Beast. Um, Arguably, that's when it kind of really got big. But Killers, the second album with the original singer, I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, he, uh, Paul Diano? Paul Diano. I want to say Paul Diano. They had a singer in the 90s as well, I and Bruce know. left. I, you, need to, you, need to, you need to clarify that for me. Ripper Owens was the Judas Priest singer when Rob Halford left. Oh, man. But anyway, all of these, all of these singers that may have once sang for a maiden or, or Judas Priest have all played the crown and fuel. At least three times a year. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving swiftly along, the 80s was also, of course, when metal started to develop its own subgenres. The first one, which is kind of forgotten today, um, has been more or less replaced by others which came after it, was speed metal. Now, <laughs> metal has defined itself away from rock at this point, and even though what we know today is a slightly hammier, heavy metal, stuff like White Snake and all that shit. Straight up metal had its own kind of punishing sound, and it was only natural, I suppose, for that sound to eventually get faster, more technical, and more punishing, brutal, whatever fucking words you want to use. Speed metal, then, was the overarching term that came first. One of these bands playing in this style was formed in 1981, a bunch of greasy teenagers, you may have heard of them, they were called Metallica. Um, in 1982, they released a very influential album called Metal Up Your Ass. Um, does anyone like any speed or thrash or anything that kind of stuff from the early 80s is anyone into that at all crazy not particularly have <laughs> <laughs> well, you have seen the big four haven't you I think can I, yes. can I, just, quick, can I just quickly rewind and, and clarify that uh, yes Paul Diano was the vocalist that I made in from 1977 to 1981 brilliant thank you job done there we go um, moving on yeah I've seen Cheers. I've seen the big four um like, I, I, I wouldn't say I don't enjoy it, um, but it's not like a lot of that sort of music isn't something that I'd sit down and just chuck on to, no. to listen to it, you know, in my spare time. It's, it's something I more appreciate a lot more, I guess. Seeing it live was brilliant though. Like the uh, was it Sonosphere? I saw it. Big Four was it, Son? Yeah, the Big Four. It was it was really good. Carlin Strongbow. It's like the atmos the atmosphere was great and stuff like that. You can't really beat it. So. I um, yeah. never used to like thrash because by the time we were into metal and I was getting into heavier metal and underground stuff, thrash just kind of seemed really tame. But in my old age, I really love thrash metal, which I never thought I would say. <laughs> I'm really, really into like, thrash. I'm working my way backwards through life, essentially. Um, but this is where punk rears its ugly head again. I'm getting ahead of myself. I mentioned thrash, not speed metal. From speed metal, you got thrash. So bands were starting to take the ferocity of punk and the heaviness and speed rather of metal and from that melting pot came thrash more or less i could be a little bit wrong there on my timeline feel free to correct me gareth kirk um <laughs> but um, not a million miles away from its speed metal brother thrash became the hot topic of the mid 80s so let me put it to this steaks what makes thrash thrash what defines thrash metal i thought it was the tempo over metal. i thought it was the tempo of the the the, the drums or am i wrong 
I, I, I don't think that's a wrong answer. I thought it was a lot to do with the tempo of it. It is absolutely a lot the faster. Beach, the generally, per minute and things. Or my, or my wrong. I don't think it's a hard and fast rule, and there's no wrong answers. Um, is it just sorry, the, sorry. the vocalist just going? Oh, no, <laughs> like, uh, instead of. <laughs> <laughs> very, very heavy guitars as well. Just sometimes, Openies, some, really sometimes fast. even sometimes even ear piercing guitars. I would I would uh, describe it as like uh, like Metallica used to have like virtually no bass in their recordings. <laughs> this that sort of ear piercing. Like I would like to say just quickly, they they have remastered the early Metallica records and they are fucking glorious. Like <laughs> even still on Unjustice yeah. for all the late eighties, when you can't still hear the bass on that, but all the others they sound fucking great and they weren't afraid of putting the bass forward even though it was kind of like mixed out in a lot of the as I said before tracks. though son, you, you, can't, you can't hear the bass if the bass isn't even there like the bass isn't there to begin with you can't just you know yeah I'm literally, talking... you literally retrack yeah, the, there's no bass there like you can't just you can't invent it uh, it was even Metallica, there tell me you don't famous... sound like it's even there they're known <laughs> for this and it's memed a lot but you know I'm talking pre- Cliff Burton's death, to which point every album had a song which kind of really focused around the the bass, um, like a Ryan off Master of Puppets or pulling teeth off Kill 'Em All. He's he's fucking. I guess like after he died, they were just afraid to really put the bass player forward. I don't know if they were like. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. I really do. I I think that's that is the reason. I think that is the sole reason, in fact, as well. I'll be honest here. Trouble is though, Metallica have had some amazing bass players. Jason Newstead is an amazing bass player, and he as is Rob Trujillo. He was wasted yeah. in Metallica, and so was Rob Trujillo. He's wasted in Metallica. He played on so many groove metal bands. He played for Ozzy at one point. He played for Infectious Grooves. He's incredible. Bass tendencies in running. Trujillo. This is your That's the other badger. That's the other one. I couldn't think he what does, the name of it was. He does have um, have bass solos when they play live, though. Rob Trujillo. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, do. Do, they do. They do give him like a big bass solo. So. Yeah, that's pretty good. You can you can really see how good he is as well <laughs> when uh, when they let him shine like that. So. Oh, another song, bass forward, fucking from the Beltholes. Fucking yeah, bass yeah, riff is yeah. the, yeah. you know, amazing. Um, so this is thrash is probably the most well known subgenre of metal, and genre greats include, of course, Metallica, Exodus, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax. Even though Anthrax are total fucking garbage, Death Angel. <laughs> Um, I also want to throw in some recommendations of my own, regardless of either. So these are some of the thrash bands I enjoy. <laughs> Listen to me now. Hyrax, Superfast. Havoc, Superfast. Sodom, Superfast. Creator, Superfast. Wehrmacht, Superfast. They're almost grindcore side project of Wehrmacht. Spastic Blur, Superfast. <laughs> Crossover thrash, like Dirty Rotten Imbeciles, DRI. More thrash revival bands, like Municipal Waste, Toxic Holocaust. Blackened thrash metal, like Skeleton Witch or Midnight. Shout out to like more European thrash bands like Bulldozer, the excellent female, all-female band from Brazil, Nervosa, fucking 10 out of 10. My absolute favorite thrash metal band though is a Canadian band called Voivod. Um, they play um, like progressive, like proper sci-fi themed thrash metal with like these insane dissonant chords and like mental space concept albums and like fucking 10 minute songs and all this mental shit. Um, they started off really fast, really heavy, fresh, and uh, they ended up being really experimental and weird. Jason Newstead joined Voivod after um, he got kicked out of Metallica, or he left Metallica, whatever, either way, I can't remember how it went down. But yeah, Voivod, can't fucking sell you Voivod enough, fucking such a good band. Old Voivod, Killing Technology or Nothing Face, there's some albums you just start. New Voivod, 
Target Earth or The Week, some albums through the start. <laughs> Get listening to Voivod, kids. What would you um, class uh, DRI as, then? Crossover thrash, initially. So they're a hardcore punk band that started doing thrash pretty, music. Pretty yeah. Fucking great, man. DRI. DRI banging. Uh, pretty much my, um, my, my limitations of thrash go from, uh, what is it, Radio X on GTA? I had a fucking load of them on there. Yeah, that, that's pretty much my, my entire catalogue on thrash <laughs> right there. Like. So a thrash metal on uh, Guitar Hero, surely. Um, Some Slayer. Oh, Christ, you're talking, talking a few years back now. Uh, I've even got a playlist on Spotify that's just all the GTA fucking thrash uh, thrash songs. Like It's, it's pretty pretty good. Drive around thinking I'm fucking Trevor. It's only thrashing like a maniac. Thrashing everything. It's funny how um, video games video games do have a part to play in uh, introducing modern day in modern day at least people to that because like in uh, even not GTA Five but the earlier GTAs had other music as well didn't they they had oh, other really? radio stations I think they may have been Radio X at that point but they used to showcase like not just metal bands but artists in general that are rock musicians and then you got the Tony Hawk games which are responsible for you know yeah. introducing people to many pop Loads and punk. ska bands exactly. you know? so. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. It's not it's not done enough in modern games, in my opinion. Come to think enough. of it, you're right. Yeah, I found loads of bands through uh, through the Tony Hawk soundtrack, through through the old GTA soundtracks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you're not going to touch yeah, punk, but Tony one of the Hulk, yeah. the one thing I remember from Tony Hawk most is Bad Religion. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I fucking love Bad Religion. And what song was it? You on Tony Hawk's? Um, Tony Hawk's Two. They had the song You and uh, that album, No Substance, is just like such a good. Such a good point. Bands like Mill and Colin and things like that. Colin, that kind of gold, well, Goldfinger yeah. as well. Goldfinger. Yeah, Goldfinger. Body Jars, another one. I love the Body Jars. Body Jars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah, I, video games are probably uh, wire like metal. It was metal before I knew what metal was. Yeah, you know? same. Like Doom, Doom soundtrack. Uh, Quick two. I'm sure there's more. <laughs> <laughs> like Command and Conquer, almost had like a kind of industrial kind of soundtrack. I don't really know. It's hard to remember, really. What are you smoking, guy? Still cut, is it? I like your pencil. <laughs> <laughs> so, eighties, late eighties now. All right. Um, I oh yeah, a lot of those thrash bands are on the playlist. By the way, uh, one more band I want to mention as well is uh, like a, it's a modern band that did what. Uh, Vivo do and dial it up to 11 to make it even more crazy. It's a band called Vector, Vector with a K, um, with a Terminal Redux album. Again, space, sci fi thrash, out the ass. Um, but yeah, thrash metal in the late 80s um, set its own template for two favorite genres that would start to develop like little ugly bastard children. And um, let's start with something that just stated in the late 80s from thrash, taking it a little step further black metal. Black metal! Black metal! Perfect. Fucking perfect. You sound just like, um, yeah, that's, that's a really good, really good impression. Um, more, more accurately, what I'm referring to is the first wave of black metal. So I don't suppose, again, it's one of those things like when Sabbath first... It, it, I don't suppose at the time black metal was used as a term to describe these types of bands I'm going to talk about. But much like the term heavy metal didn't magically become applied to everything after January 1970. It's like, oh, boom, metal's here. That didn't happen. And it's the same with black metal. But the first wave of black metal is easy to pinpoint. So the gestation, the gestation of this genre comes down to two bands who started it. It's either Venom or Bathory, aren't it? So it's either Venom or Bathory. 
But the cold, the, the metalheads will argue this to death on the internet, right? But the cold hard facts are Venom did it first. Fight me in the comments. Venom are from fucking Newcastle Pet, and they were very fast, very thrashy. And they also blended elements of Motorhead um, and then really hammed up on the satanic stuff that um, Sabbath did, you know, cover and all that stuff. So they were playing thrash with this satanic shit all over the top of it. And they were, had that like nasty kind of scuzzy punk attitude that Motorhead had. And it was all just really fast, really heavy in your face. Metal played with a punk attitude. Snarly, raspy vocals. And really stepping in, really step in the next direction of extremity. <sighs> Fucking hell. Anyway, but as a, as a, with a lot of things like this, it wasn't until the band released an album, um, I think it was their second album, and it was called Black Metal, did the term really enter circulation. They didn't like go, oh, this is our genre, Black Metal. They were just like, what can we call this album? Black Metal. So um, they also have a song called Black Metal. Um, Venom have had a long and arduous career, which I won't go into, but they're shock rock antics. Um, no doubt the founding cobblestones of black metal, which have, was, of course, taken from the album title. Um, but then a musician across the, across, the, across the stream up in uh, some Scandinavian country, which I don't know, I should have, re- re- <laughs> should have uh, researched better. A dude called Cothorn. Cothorn. was very taken and very influenced by what Venom were doing. And he founded a band that would take the sound another step further again and that enter, enter, enter stage left or stage right Bathory okay so mm-hmm. bear with me on this right Bathory may not have been the first but they definitely laid a template for what and I apologise for using the elitist term true black metal is so Bathory self-titled entitled Bathory it's just a picture of a fucking goat on the front um, how, you know, how cool is that how metal is that it's a fucking goat you know what I mean I, I raise you Iowa by Slipknot um, <laughs> didn't, didn't we do that too that was a sheep or a lamb. A lamb. <laughs> lamb. lamb. <laughs> Which was no way related to Bathory. It wasn't a parody or anything. It was just happened because we were Welsh. Yeah, lambs, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Bathory self-titled record is absolute bastard. Like, it's short, it's muddy, it's horrible, it's savage. It's just horrendous. Um, the Bathory would go on to become much more progressive. They ended up doing, like, this really, like, Viking metal shit, which is great in its own way, but it... Kind of, they kind of transcended out of. They made their mark on what blackmail would be, and then they fucked off, did other stuff. Um, at this time in the formative years of black metal, it's also worth mentioning Hellhammer, Celtic Frost, and Sacrifago as proto black metal bands emerging from the thrash metal bogs the world over. Anyway, we'll come back to black metal in a bit. Just um, curious though, who done Corpse Paint first? Where did I, where did uh, Corpse no. Paint come from? No, 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 no. So Corpse Paint is is a tricky one. Corpse Paint, the term, and we'll come back to that in more detail later on with the second wave of black metal, the Norwegian stuff. But metal makeup and shit, (laughs) where did it start? King Diamond, Alice Cooper, Kiss, where did it start? It's just all that just... Metal, when you look at like these subgenres of metal, it's just eventually just got more and more extreme. You know, if you look at like some of the most mental, like hanging looking Corpse Paint, it's basically just... It's just fucking the cat from Kiss, but 20 years later. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of yeah. else paints their face up. Saying clown posse, that doesn't count. Um, yeah, Alice Cooper definitely because he had the skull. Who's the cat? Peter Chris was it? Was it Peter Chris the cat? UK. I should. I known you weren't a Kiss fan when you came as Peter Chris, Lois. Not even Peter Chris <laughs> wants to be Peter Chris. <laughs> Is he the cat? I can't remember a Kiss now. Is he the cat? I think he. I don't know to be honest. I, 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 I apologise if I've got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The course is you know. Especially in modern day, it, it is a big a red trope find out of, now. of metal. Yeah, get, get googling. All right. King Diamond, I think, because he had a lot of satanic and heavy kind of you know occultic kind of themes. He 
definitely King Diamond. It's probably you one reckon? of the first ones. I can confirm that Peter Chris was the cat in uh, Kiss. Oh, there we go. Right. I'm glad of that. I would have had a million well, that, comments uh, saying I was wrong otherwise. That'll, that'll ease your mind, guy. There we go. Yeah. Crack him. <laughs> so wait. In a similar vein, around the same time, give or take, as this first wave of black metal, um, bands were doing similar work in pushing thrash to its extremities in other ways. As the 80s went on, thrash was becoming faster, more brutal. It was almost unrecognisable in some regards. And another musical term was needed to flesh out what was going on. So enter stage right or stage left, death metal. Now, once again, there's some fierce argument over who released the first death metal album. The general consensus is the term came from the band Death, whose name lent the term death metal. Their first album, Scream Bloody Gore, is considered to be by many the ultimate and, of course, first true death metal album. Um, for the sake of completion, I will fill in the fact that other contenders for the first past the post race for death metal include Possessed and their album Seven Churches, which is fucking great, and Master with their self-titled record, Master, another amazing metal album. Just as a side note, there are now recordings of Masters self-titled um, that is available without triggers, like they found the original mixes, and you can take the triggers out, and it sounds so much fucking better. Um, but before I forge into the 90s, because I'm, I'm, I'm going through this as fast as I can, because I know I've got a lot to get through, um, and expand on those more, more obscure genres a little bit, um, can I just go through with this, Because like I did with, start with, with, with Frash, when you think of death metal, what does death metal mean to the Steaks? What does de- death metal conjure up for you? What sounds, what images, what, what, is, you know, what, is, what is death metal? A lot of people use the term death metal when it's not necessarily... Death metal. That's, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Uh, a lot of people use it for different things. Like, uh, like one death metal band could sound completely different to, to another. You know, there's a spectrum. A spe- uh, there's, there's subgenres within death metal itself, I'd say. Like. Absolutely, it is. Death metal is fucking... I can't go into that. There's no time, but there is what, so many um, different fucking. Where, what you know, quali- What qualities have you got to have to, um, you know, to be considered death metal? Is my question. Or, you know, as, yeah, as, more, a, as a, an artist, what what are the foundations of being a death metal uh, band or artist? So what? It's kind of what I was asking. Um, what what would yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, that's what, what I don't know you? myself. I'd be honest with you. Well, I think the number one thing would be would be the Cookie Monster vocals. Death metal is all about the <laughs> shit, you know? The really low guttural is it the theme? Is it the themes and the topics, though, is what I'm getting at more as well, in terms of uh, the songwriting, the actual, uh, you know, the, the, the themes and the topics of, vocally, tra- lyric-wise, whatever? Traditionally, you're absolutely right. Things were just generally quite extreme, more about based on, like, horror movies and, and gore and death right. and pain and all this, like, early cannibal corpse stuff like that is just really bad gory shit well, obviously death scream bloody gore is uh, you know has all this type of stuff on it too the, the iconography I, I imagine as well the imagery definitely yeah the imagery and the iconography the, it's when logos started to get really fucking spiny and messy and disgusting you needed images yeah, that yeah. matched the brutality of the sound and you know right or wrong a lot of offensive stuff is you know stuff like is I don't know. I don't know what I'm, what I'm going with this, but, yeah, like, but there's, you know. there's bands like you mentioned, Cannibal Corpse, and then you got like fucking dare I say, Bring Me the Horizon and stuff. You know, they, they some people will consider them death, and the, 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 there's a divide there that's fucking massive. No. Bring it's... Me the Horizon are as mainstream as they come now. Mainstream no, or not? Were they ever that? Even when 
even when they were, they were heavy, they were sort of like a like a, a moral goth kind of. Cool. Uh, like yeah, seen kids. They were uh, all seen kids, like. But without without death metal, there would have been no Bring Me the Horizon. Without a yeah, shadow of doubt, there would have yeah, been yeah, no death core. Death core, yeah, that's that's yeah. That's, uh, that's more what I was thinking of. The death core kind you of got, scene stemmed from it. This death metal led to like. Again, the punk influence in death metal then came across like bands like Entombed started using like hardcore riffs in in death metal, and that kind of birthed um, like this whole Scandinavian um, sound. And you had bands like At the Gates then, who kind of made that a bit more commercial. And that really just was like the stepping stone for metalcore. And you had like the whole like Swedish kind of melodic death metal stuff, stuff like Arch Enemy, Carcass's latest stuff. It just goes on, it goes on and on. It's just like such a uh, deep genre but when it started it was all like just how brutal you can you get like all like rrr, 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 and like talking about chopped up bodies and all this mad shit but um yeah and on that note just before i hit the 90s and, and chill things out a bit it's worth touching on grindcore um which i won't go into too much because i'm biased when it comes to grindcore but it's where thrash or death metal met hardcore punk again punk comes into it and it creates like this whirlwind of intense speed and aggression it's all about speed and I'm only going to touch on grindcore because technically it's not metal. Um, it's probably my favorite genre of music and has been a large part of my life. For the sake of metal, I won't go into it too heavily. And I mentioned grindcore only because of one thing, the blast beat. Um, do anyone know what a blast beat is? Well, yeah. So that's about a lot of things in this cast. The origin of the blast beat is debated. <laughs> a lot of 80s hardcore punk bands like Deep Wound or Siege use drumming styles that are very similar to blast beats. Um, for me, I think the first, almost first blast beat is the band Repulsion used thrash beats that were so fast on their album Horrifying. To just the, the track Stench of Burning Death is on the playlist. Just listen to that. It's sure. almost blast beats in pace. Yes, mate. Do you want to maybe explain a blast beat to people who might not know? Because all we did was visual coups. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So what is a blast beat technically? Maybe because I'm a drummer, I've always been surprised that people can't really grasp what it is. It fries my head. It's just drums played really fast. So grindcore, think this thing of blast beats from its origin. Grindcore by nature is not difficult to play. It's usually metal done really fast in a punk kind of template. I've found, however, that you simply have to want to play that kind of genre of music. It may sound totally utterly obvious, but the world is so small in that kind of underground and so distinctive. You have to have vested interest to play something as ridiculous as like on the drums. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So what I'm trying to say is, like, if you can do good blast beats, pe people will be all over you. If you can do a blast beat, like, usually drunken gig goers, like, after you've done a set, oh my God, would you, I can't, I've never seen anyone do that. Oh, I haven't seen someone do that since fucking, I saw Napalm Death in a random Rondra Hotel in 1989 or something. You know, <laughs> and then you get all, <laughs> but um, I digress. What I'm trying Just, to say is, I, I find it surprising how much a blast beat can baffle even the most established musician. So a blast beat is- I can relate to that. <laughs> Traditionally, it's yeah. not double pedal. It's one foot, and it's the the, the snare and the, the the bass drum. It's like, but really fast. So in sixteenth beats, depends on what type of that tempo you're doing. It's going to be like, it's going to be like snare kick, snare kick. So like back and forth, really fast. It's like like a machine gun, basically. Like a machine gun yeah. fire, and you're absolutely right. That's a really good way of putting it. And um, yeah, so. People seem to think that music descends into complete at the chaos when a blast beat comes in, and it's like a free for all, which is, is not the case. Music 
yeah, music like that does exist. I mean, you've got the noise and noise core and all this. Even some grind was just, has no, but no, has wanton disregard for song structure, but I can't work like that. Um, a song that has a blast beat section does not necessarily have to de descend into universal pandemonium. It's just stuff happening really quickly. So like, I feel like I'm rambling now, but like, another related problem, and I think this is where you can relate, guys, when a song contains a part that has blast beats, yeah, a lot of people um, think that. I'm just going to move on to that now. Um, I, uh, I I tried to have a bit of a a few times. I tried to have a bit of a a sort of jam with a, a grindcore project. The show was doing at the time. Now I've played most kind of genres and stuff as a bass player, but when it comes to this, I I found that I really struggled in that environment to to keep time and to lock in with. It was uh, almost it was almost like starting afresh. It was like completely starting over as a musician again. I just could not lock in with it. I found um, I found it a completely uh, alien world, especially with the the blast beats and whatnot. And uh, yeah, the way the way I I think of it when you keep up with blast beats is you just look for the well, if it's in a four four time, obviously you just listen for the one, exactly. two, three, four, and you just you follow keep counting. that. Yeah, you just keep counting. And nothing changes. Yeah. It's not like you completely you enter a completely different time zone or whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's the same. And that's and what your your problem you had, guys, really common. Everyone thinks everything speeds up. The only thing that's speeding I up is the drums. Yeah, I think you'd find that a lot though. So you put like a jazz musician or something into a grindcore band or any other kind. I think I think you'd find the same sort oh, of. Oh, I don't know. I would find. I, I would know, argue that jazz. I think a jazz musician is probably the worst example you're going to give. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jazz, 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 and grind go hand in hand. There's a lot of jazz drummers yeah. that can do that and and more, like literally. And and yeah, I raise you, Naked City by John Zorn. Um, yeah, just just listen to that. Um, th this is so common. It was actually mentioned in Napalm Death's Best of. It was a crappy compilation to that Uric really kind of just put out. There wasn't really anything of value on it. it the best of Napalm Death. Um, but there's like this huge like line notes section, and there's a funny little piece in there. Um, the, the album's called Noise for Music Sake. If anyone cares, but um, it first enlightened me to the problem um, back when I was a teenager. So it, it says in there they were auditioning for a replacement guitarist when Bill Steele left to join Carcass. Um, the band found it maddening that nobody that auditioned could keep time. As soon as the blasts came in, just like you got, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like, everyone, everyone was speeding up. I was like, no, 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 no. It's the same, it's the fucking same. It's only the drums that are getting fast. The guitarists will riff, the vocals will vocalate, and the drums enter in and out of blast beats as the song structure dictates. Everything else stays the same. In my experience, that's how I, I would yeah. probably try and explain it. It feels weird to harp on, on on this, but it does feel, like especially and especially because everyone thinks that grindcore is just worthless noise. I've fought against that my you know my whole life's not fucking hill to die on, is it? But like, it baffles me to no end. This grindcore is not hard to play. It's just basic think, maths of of music just sped up like fucking really fast. I think a lot of people think it's worthless noise because like fucking anal cunt comes to mind, doesn't it? You know, that's that's the band. <laughs> Yeah, you you have grind and noisecore. That was a subgenre of grind. That is literally just that. Like the two times I've toured with a grindcore band, I've also toured with a noise or go noise band, which literally didn't rehearse ever. <laughs> never awesome. rehearsed. <laughs> you know, every song, every set is uh, is is a fresh. You I know, they, have their, they they fall into grooves with each other. And I, I I when they fall into a groove, it's just like. How have you done this? I, I appreciate it, but I, I could never work like that. I'd fright my head. I remember a gig you played, Sean, um, with Judas Cradle in Cardiff in the full moon. It was upstairs in the full moon. 
and you had a, a noise act supporting. Yeah, riffs and omens. Yeah, I just didn't. I just couldn't get it. I just, it just like, I, I didn't understand. Like, I, you know, <laughs> as as like, you know, as a, as a musician, whatever. Like, I can always appreciate different styles of music, or whatever. But for me, that was literally just noise. Just you know, with different noise pedals a, and pushing. It's it is it is it, it could be noise can be anything. It can be almost soundscapes like you know like Rafes and omens were quite moody and dark and trying to build like an atmosphere then you have noise which like grindcore is just trying to bash you in the face with the most abrasive sound ever um so it is a lot to noise and it's subjective i know music is subjective to, to everyone you know it's just what you like basically you know some people might see art in places that other people just see yeah. shit so noise is noise is more i think performance art than it is music noise is more an art thing than a music thing i, I think i don't really it, claim to know or understand noise i like some noise but i, I don't really understand would you it. would you say it's the modern art of the music world it's the typical <laughs> it's, the, it's the antithesis of music isn't it noise yeah. you know and the fact you can bottle noise and release it as an album listen to Mersbow's pulse demon like that's like really really good selling album and it's just fucking noise so kind of like dadaism like more or less in 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 musical form i i I won't i won't be able to do noise a a service i'm not i know about it but i'm not a noise nerd i've made my own noise because anyone can and i make a lot of it i like it and i record it onto tapes and stuff but um i wouldn't claim to sit here and tell you all about it and its history Speaking of history, uh, we'll be doing a history of metal today. We are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, going back to Grindcore and why I've mentioned it is because of the Blast Beat, which became a thing through then, uh, throughout death metal and black metal and loads of genres really going forward, borrowed the Blast Beat. Um, so like I said, um, wait, wait, I've lost my place. Um, Repulsion's Horrified, probably one of the first examples, but then the Blast Beat was perfected. Um, Again, in Birmingham, when a punk band called Napalm Death got themselves a drummer by the name of Mick Harris. I've just done a 36-minute mu- video on the music of Mick Harris, so I won't stay here for too long. But Mick is not only credited for coining the term grindcore, he more or less fucking invented the blast beat as you know it today with that fucking really fast fucking machine gun fire. Um, and I raise you Napalm Death's scum and his Napalm Death's um, follow-up album From Enslavement to Obliteration just fucking insane absolutely insane when it comes to drumming and that, so that's that's blast beat that's where we were and i just finished that section off I'm not talking about grindcore not talking about noise not talking about blast beats line under it <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell Oof. um so before i know you're gonna move on to the 90s now aren't you uh that's i, think I that's am where we are. just oh shit as a side note i'm just gonna mention one band in the late 80s that i think is worth a mention in the history of metal and that's guns and roses they are, Absolutely. they are definitely worth a mention just because of how influential they were going forward. Um, I think especially for guitarists, because Slash was a massive influence on many a person uh, who grew up in the 90s and 2000s, myself, myself included. He's one of my favorite guitarists. Um, but Do you they... like Slash, Slash's Snake Pit? Slash's Snake Pit, uh... you ever, you ever <sighs> that Velvet Revolver is the other one. I like Velvet, I like Velvet Revolver. Um it was weird because like I didn't like uh, Stone Temple Pilots, which was Scott Weiland's band. I no, wasn't a fan, fan of that. I wasn't really a fan of Slash's Snake Pit. I, I tried listening to. It, I was like, 
yeah, I can get behind some of the you know the riffs and stuff, but it wasn't really for me. But Velvet Revolver, I thought, was a really nice blend, and they 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 did some really good songs. Um, but yeah, Guns and Roses, I think that sound it was, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was it was something something special. What's up? Sean's fucking slinging whiskey oh. out of the fucking bottle. Oh, right. <laughs> Do when I can. I've been talking for so long. Just getting some drinks in. Um, yeah, the the Guns N' Roses sound. I think it it impacted a lot of bands going forward, especially through the nineties as well. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, I have not mentioned any cock rock, poodle rock, hair metal at all. So if you want to get them in now, get them in. Uh, White Anyone Snake. Going? What do you it? like about White Snake? I don't know. I just throwing them in there. They're bad not to forget. <laughs> Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Def Leppard. Def Leppard. Yeah. Europe almost. To Boston. Right, finally. Boston. I, I, yeah. yeah, they got riffs. Yeah. Toto. Toto. I. I wouldn't. Uh, thing is pushing it for metal. The thing is with Toto. Yeah, I wouldn't. I. W- I wouldn't class them as metal. I'd class no, them as rock. No, no, I would. Your leg, man. <laughs> very, very good musicians, however, and very influential. And you'll find Toto, uh, as I said before, Toto pop up on a lot of um, 80s pop songs that you don't realise. They you do? go to session, session musicians. musicians. Yeah. Michael Jackson albums being one. Yeah, I know yeah, uh, yeah. they play on those albums quite a lot. I'm not sponsored. I got the I uh, never... tube, uh, bottle opener and uh, <laughs> bottle. I'm not sponsored. He loves his Belgian brews all better. Yeah, but oh, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and it, it was worth. It was definitely right to mention them, and I, I shouldn't have excluded them because those bands, like the '80s excess, the whole excess of the '80s metal scene and yeah. hard rock, um, was not strictly metal. I guess it, it did do a lot to bring more mainstream listeners. Metal was mainstream then, and it yeah. brought loads of people listening into that world that never would have been in there. And, um, you know, that's fucking not a problem by me. I think another one worth mentioning, um, especially from a guitarist point of view, is Van Halen. Because uh, you. It, oh, like, yes, yes, yes. Massively influential. <laughs> you know, um, you, you really can't overlook that. Because he. Base, Eddie Van Halen changed the way a lot of guitarists play guitar today. Like, you know, the, the, the tapping and stuff like that. Without Van Halen, uh, they wouldn't have been that you know metal wouldn't have looked like it does today basically if it wasn't for van halen it wouldn't have it wouldn't have evolved like it did anyway in my opinion you know very important in uh, the history of metal is eddie van halen absolutely yeah cheers man cheers for checking that in because i completely overlooked that we were talking about uh what, what i what i had yesterday and i was like fuck that's a pretty important one to have missed because <laughs> in the late 80s i just kind of fell into these subgenres and i completely missed and that's why i put that sub that disclaimer at the front as well because i wasn't sure when this was going to come up it, it's a vast genre man it's you're gonna miss things it's just that big <laughs> so i um i know i said i wouldn't talk about grindcore anymore but i forgot to mention the grindcore bands that i recommend <laughs> uh, so alongside Nape on death and repulsion i uh, if anyone is interested in learning more about grindcore i turn your attention to terrorize that carcass Old Lady Drivers, Agathocles, Brutal Truth, Last Days of Humanity. More modern bands such as Agrophobic Nosebleed, Wormrot, Haggis, Insect Warfare, Artagathus, Six Brew Banther, Unholy Grave, Sulfuric Cautery, oh, Eternal Rot. I could go on, so I'm going to start. You're going to chuck Triple X Maniac in there, son? Let's chuck Triple X Maniac in there. Um, a subgenre, go grind. Um, There's a band called Haggis. Haggis, spelled oh. incorrectly, but there is a band called oh, Haggis, right. yes. They were oh. a vegan uh, go grind band. 
which was the original irony which a lot of people missed with Carcass's original you know they had those albums with all the dead bodies and stuff all over it and, and you know the, the point was was that you know it was all meat and food mixed in with all these body parts and it's perhaps unsurprisingly that a band that would focus entirely on gore are were vegetarians I, I don't see but oh yeah anyway so there's a lot of like because of other punk involvement and now there is a lot of vegetarian and vegans in, in that world and uh, obviously the extreme music has extreme uh, goes hand in hand I thought all that kind of thing and uh, veganism and uh... there's um uh, early Ag- Agathocles EP and I, I won't mention Grind again there's an early, early Agathocles EP and there's a picture of like um, a full body autopsy it's all black and white and there's like four or five doc- doctors hanging around and it's just this body that's been stripped and his guts are hanging out and the title of the EP if, title of the EP is if this is gore what is meat then and it's just like you know it's all this activist kind of stuff but they use like these really shocking images of like bodies and stuff because try and make the comparison between that and animals we're all the same apparently anyway 90s back in the 90s um so 90s what was going on in the world of metal judas priest they're on their second wind they're getting heavier they're doing thrashy stuff albums like painkiller reminding everyone that old dogs can learn new tricks uh and in the third decade of the career bands can still release amazing fucking albums painkiller fantastic Judas Priest album um, Sabbath still going in the, in the 90s um, they've been churning through shit albums and vocalists like it was no one's fucking business um, like I said um, Deep Purple's Ian Gillan joined for the rather underrated Born Again uh, and then Deep Purple's Glenn Hughes um, also joined later on to lend his pipe to the absolute fucking travesty that was the seventh star album uh, but by the 90s though Sabbath were on their fifth vocalist Tony Martin and uh, releasing boring, stale stadium rock on albums like Tear and Cross Purposes. Um, I've never heard that year of Black Sabbath. We were on about Sunday talking is, about this recently. It is, it is bad. I didn't even, I I didn't even realise that it existed, I don't think. So I'm not the honest here. I'm, I'm, it was purposely buried by Sharon Osbourne. Yeah. <laughs> None of those albums have been reissued. They're all really hard to get hold of. A lot, some of them are on streaming platforms, but... I didn't you know, even know that, that even existed. Like we said the other day, we were on about that, weren't we? It was a labour of love going through them. It, they, were, they were fucking terrible. The final Sabbath album before they reformed with Ozzy recently um, was in 95 or 94, and it was called Forbidden. It was actually pretty heavy. Um, it's just a really bad attempt at modernising with a 90s sound. Um, it contained vocal lines from Ice-T. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. Um, it is awful. So the metal did spread itself a bit thin in the 90s in some ways. The excess of the 80s died off. I'm talking about mainstream metal here. Thrash was more or less dead. And the true innovation in my eyes at least went back underground, at least initially in the early 90s, um, in the form of death metal, black metal, and a small contingent of, just a quick mention here, doom metal bands. So doom as a genre worships the tropes built by Sabbath, I guess. Sludgy, bluesy riffs that I only did initially on the early albums. Songs about fucking weed, space, witches, all this shit. Um, so like excellent doom. Electric Sorry, Wizard, one. is it? Like Electric yes, Wizard. Yes, Electric like Wizard, Sleep, Pentagram, Trouble, Cathedral, St. Vitus, Candlemas. I could name you fucking hundreds of doom metal bands. Probably one of the more popular genres of metal these days. Um, Electric Wizard. Just listen to Electric Wizard. That's all I can say. Um, or Sleep. Sleep's one hour song. Dope Smoker. Fucking fantastic. Um, oh, you, here's a question to bring up on a metal cast. And one thing I noticed listening back to that playlist as well. Why is it that the metal genre, that every single song is like over five minutes long? 
I wouldn't say that was necessarily it seems true. Like it, seem, it seems like a given. Like in as a as in like com- comparison to pop music, you mean? Yeah, like you know, the average pop song is what three minutes. I guess. I would say the most realistic reason for that is because in the middle eight, it's probably extended to have a bunch of guitar solos in it. That would be my guess. And they always have like an intro as well, don't they? If you yeah, add I that guess. to like traditional song structure, then that would be my. That's just a wild stab in the dark. I think it's always really pop hard. songs and all that. They've got to have the hook within the first thirty seconds of a song yeah. as well. I'm not sure. People aren't if, interested otherwise, are they? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if um, metal. It's got to be metal, metal. Came more about showing off their talents, skills. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I get that. It's just I, I always. It's something I've always noticed, and it's it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I just because <like>, <laughs> sometimes I think that some metal songs can be too long. Like I'm yeah, all for a good definitely. guitar solo, but when it just drags on, there is literally just no point in carrying it on. Mate, like, was it just, November you talk, you're talking to Mr. Grindcore, <laughs> but November Rain, yeah, November <laughs> Rain. Yeah. That used to be on TV, like on Kerrang. They used to play that fucking hell. I know the they, opening, maybe, and that's it. I just turn they, it off. They um, maybe uh, they maybe Dope Smoker that. isn't for you, Rich. Doom metal <laughs> tends to be really slow and really long. Like you know, we're talking seven, eight, nine, ten minutes. Dope Smoker no. being. 70 minutes 64 minutes long. electric yeah. wizard i have listened to electric wizard and i actually don't mind them like that they're actually all right i, I haven't listened to much to mind, but, but yeah 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 but I, I haven't listened to much to really gauge my interest in it but i know when i listened to them before they were i thought they were all right like but i yeah when songs go on and on and on and on it's just like nah, street lights like, people like <laughs> yeah journey are they a metal band I cannot listen to that song without thinking of the Sopranos finale. And I have to cut the song at the same time the Sopranos finishes with the infamous Cut the Black. And um, every time I put Journey on, if it comes on on the radio, I will turn it off the minute the Sopranos ends. <laughs> Halfway through the trunk, I put, don't stop. <laughs> I don't think that's a spoiler. I think that's universally known. And, uh, anyway, um, similar to Doom Metal, uh, in pace, um, we had from the murky pits of grindcore and death metal. I'm just going to touch on this one. I only got a, uh, a paragraph here. Um, from the pits of grindcore and death metal grew a hazardous and short-lived blast furnace um, that was industrial metal, spearheaded once again by Birmingham's often imitated Godflesh, who took the grime and hatred from genres like grind, the powerful riffing of doom and traditional metal, like fellow Birmingham's Sabbath, and combined that with influences from outside of noi- uh, metal, um, <laughs> namely noise artists, which we've just touched on, um, and industrial artists in their own right. So again, art groups and stuff. Um, worth mentioning Germany's Estrosende Newbarton, England's art collective turned electronics outfit Throbbing Gristle, and the harrowing, clanking nightmares conjured by New York's Swans, a band that openly despises metal, yet somehow managed to make the heaviest fucking albums of all time. But that's another subject for another time, not a metal band. Godflesh took all that, set it to a claustrophobic mechanical backbone using a drum machine, and the rhythm section influenced by the scummier end of post-punk, like Killing Joke, a fucking big black and all shit like that. This all swirls to perfection. This is not an advert, but this all swirls to perfection with Godflesh's Street Cleaner album, which is admittedly, I think it's 1989, actually. Not 90s. <laughs> but it's ah. crushingly heavy. Devastatingly catastrophic. Listen, and yeah, that, that, that was a, like, a, it was like someone knocking over a kiln full of fucking liquid metal. 
And that was it. There's a flash in the pan and it was gone. But a few years later, industrial metal was reduced to nothing more than crappy dance music for goths. Um, an excuse <laughs> to play repetitive guitars and have a crap drum machine instead of an actual drummer. Um, but some prime examples of how industrial metal did have a positive influence on metal and rock going forward uh, would be bands like Nine Inch Nails, Ministry, um, laser-focused precision heaviness used in bands like uh, in the 90s at least Fear Factory or even early Rammstein yeah. um, especially the first two albums Herzlide and Zenzucht which basically industrial metal anyway That's, that, that, that was the band that came to mind when you mentioned industrial metal was Rammstein that Rammstein, was the first yeah, one yeah. that popped into my head like. they certainly made it a thing and then almost kept, just transcended it what even about, on yeah. Zana, there's like industrial parts but sorry, what about uh, Gary Newman's uh, later, later offering Yes, absolutely. Uh, that would be the bad, crappy dance music for goths uh, <laughs> um, part of uh, industrial metal. No, I'm, 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 I, I, I say that affectionately. Uh, and um, Jenny Torturers, yeah, I'll Gary Newman. Uh, Mortis's um, Mortis. industrial phase. That is crappy dance music for goths. Um, is is Mortis? Smell of Rain. What a danceable album. Um, the Grudge again. I could go into this. Won't go into it. Mortis, you are absolutely right. Uh, his later albums, anyway. His early albums are like what's called Dungeon Synth. Dungeon Synth. It's like really dark, ambient, fucking keyboard compositions. Great Dungeon yeah. Synth. That sounds like something you'd have in the background of a D and D campaign or something. It is, and it is yeah. perfect. And then when I was saying to you earlier, Tom, about I imported loads of tracks into my Morrowind game. Yeah. It was all Mortis stuff at all the Mortis. time. Now, now I just go and I, I got so many Dungeon Synth bands. I like or artists rather, and I just yeah put their albums into into the Morrowind game. Um, nice. But you're bringing it back into more real life and not obscure shit. Um, hip hop was starting to bleed into metal at this time, starting the whole alt metal movement, spearheaded with bands Surely. such as Faith No More. Faith No More, you may have heard of those, yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, you won in all sun, but you cannot have it. Um, <laughs> th this practice can be traced back pre 90s as far as Anthrax's collaboration with Public Enemy or even Aerosmith and Run DMC. I was just yeah. thinking that, yeah. I was literally just thinking Walk This Way. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it wasn't until the nineties that that crossover really came into its own with metal. Like in early in the early nineties, full on rapping started trickling, like Rage Against the Machine, you yeah, know, yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Whether you class that as metal or not, so I'm going quick again because I, I conscious how, how the time is going on. We'll come back to that in a few years and check on that kind of stuff because we can all talk about that together. But for now, I'd like to quickly detour once again um, to, to um, shadowy, misty Norway. Yeah, so um, we're an isolated scene of musicians out in, in Scandinavian countries like Norway, looked at the metal underground in disgust. Elitist dickheads tatting and stroking their goatees. As grindcore fell to the wayside, death metal became more mainstream. Bands now wore sunglasses and cargo pants instead of spikes and leather. And brutal death metal bands ended into a race to see who could make the cleanest, the most technical album. These elitists look on and thought, what happened to underground metal, man? It used to be cool. And so yeah. they made it cool again, or at least what they thought was cool. And in a knee-jerk reaction to the clinical and big budget of 90s metal, specifically death metal, which was supposed to be underground, which it wasn't at that point, the second wave of black metal was born. A bunch of losers living in their mum's basements decided to make metal great again by employing spikes, leather, face paint, and by making the most crappy and horrendous recordings they could possibly manage. Um, I'm talking about bands, of course, like Mayhem, Burzum, correctly pronounced Burtzum, um, Dark Throne, Immortal, Emperor. Um, these formed the core of this bizarre new movement. So what they did was take the sounds of um, 
of the 80s in the form of Venom and Bathory and dialed it up to 11, basically, to, to quote uh, Spinal Tap. Um, so what do you think of when you, when you when I say black metal? What what what, what do the Steaks think of? Like, I was thinking, I was thinking of, your, of your... Um... Your your bosoms, your, uh, your your mayhems, um, um, more like uh, like Darkthrown, Demo Borger, kind of. Oh, like... Demo Borger is a good show. They're more the symphonic end. Yeah, they more had, like, melodic. Like classical. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But they got the corpse paint. It's, it's just kind of the the the, the oh, yeah. contrast. I'm probably gonna get. A lot, there's a lot of hate there for uh, crossing them <laughs> over with death metal, I imagine. But fuck it. Oh no, you're absolutely right. Um. Like Cradle of Filth, like one of the most well-known symphonic black metal bands, started with a death metal roots. Their um, total demos, orgiastic pleasures, foul and total fucking darkness. They are death metal records with keyboards over them. Fight me in the comments. Um, same with um, Dimmer Borgo, They have death metal albums in Sword Diablo. It crosses over a lot, um, but in particular in in nineties Norwegian black metal, um, it was horrendous horrendous music so to the untrained you your average true black metal true cult black metal is like an unlistenable mush of wasp-like guitars unnecessary reverb and distortion vocalists with frogs in their throats and entire drum kits recorded using like one microphone shit like that it's a fucking mess usually but the the thing about it is like the cold almost ironic antithesis is that from most black metal worth listening to through all that chaos you get this morose kind of melodic edge, and I feel like I'm getting a bit hipster now, but like only just, and, and like that sparse kind of melodic edge leads this like, gives it a beauty, you know? And to these really harsh and often ear-piercing compositions, great black metal conjures up cold, barren landscapes, rolling hills, fjords, and unfathomable lakes filled with demonic horrors. There is an unholy, unholy art to black metal, but I am waffling, so let's move on a little bit. Personally, I think black metal would, would have perhaps rightly stayed as an outsider genre if it, because it, it, it came everything it set, it set out not to be and became really popular in the mainstream of metal. Um, and it wasn't necessarily because of the music, it was because of the worryingly strong conviction of the musicians involved in this unholy music. Um, Basically, a, a spate of church, church burning started to take place around Norway, um, which no doubt seemed cool at first, like our church burnings, but like it drew a lot of unwanted attention onto the black metal world. The most famous um, church burning um, would be the, the Fantoft Stave Church, which was built in 1150. 1150. They burned a fucking 800-year-old church Jeez. to the ground, um, which obviously just put them straight in a spot like this tiny little scene of like maybe 10, 15 bands was now like boom, you know, worldwide. Um, like I'm generally a very anti-religious person, but how does, how, a cox genre, you have to how be. does a genre of music get accused of burning a church? Because it was a very small circle of people. This entire, like, to, to begin with, the entire second wave of black metal was one scene in like yeah, Bergen. Say, other... say one of us burnt the church you wouldn't go like to the podcaster down the road and blame him as well, would you? <laughs> well, this is it because they were publicly known. Like we you love a podcast. Yeah, yeah. those, those <laughs> fucking podcasters burn the churches. <laughs> I wasn't going to go into this for the, for time purposes, but they were all part of what was called the inner circle or the black circle. So, like we the Steecast, you were out burning churches, and we we're like, who burned that church? 
Steve Cast burnt it. You know, it was like the black yeah. circle of no Norwegian yeah, yeah. true black metal burnt that church down. Um, right. They want the ret- they want to return to like pagan roots, and then they want the Christianity stranglehold on Norway gone. You know, they're willing to fight to the death for it and all this shit. You know, okay. bullshit, absolute bullshit. But obviously that that turned the fucking spotlight on him. Um, I'm a, I'm a very anti-religious person, but how much of a cock you have to be to burn down a fucking <laughs> yeah. eight hundred year old building? That's history at the end of the day. Isn't it's it? hi- exactly, yeah, yeah, it's history. Yeah. You know. It's crazy. So images of the, the shell of that burnt church appears on Burzum's Ask EP, which means ashes, um, initial copies of which came with a free lighter. So yeah, it was... <laughs> oh my God. Burzum's sole member, Vagvikernes, from Vagvikernes, I can't know you say his name, he ended up being charged with most of those arsons, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I could spend hours talking about blackmail, but I won't. Um, there are many videos online that go into the atrocities committed by this small group, small group of dickheads. Um, I will quickly touch on a few of the more unsavory points here because it's very sensational and I have to get them into the history of metal. Um, all of which ensured that black metal stayed firmly in the mainstream spotlight in the early 90s and continues to attract edgelords and nasty dickheads to this very day. Although, first off, it's worth noting that a firefighter died whilst fighting one of the church fires, so fuck them for that, yeah. for first thing, first thing off. Um, another thing that kept uh, the spotlight, one of the first things that kept the spotlight on black metal Emperor drummer um, who uses the pseudonym Faust um, whilst wandering through the woods at night, as you do, um, was propositioned for sex by a gay man um, who mistook him for another gay man. Um, and Faust reacted calmly and reasonably by stabbing the gay man to death and being sent to prison for his murder. So that obviously kept the spotlight on him. Yeah. Um, then you had um, Mayhem's second vocalist, um, a very troubled individual who was st- assumed the stage name Dead. Literally dead, dead, dead. dead. He would um, like bury his clothes in the ground for days, and then like wear them, dig them up and wear them. So they would stink of death and just decomposition and be damp and rotten. And he's credited for like perfecting the the corpse paint look, as you brought up earlier on, um, uh, which which he did to just look like a dead body more than anything. And um, he would often self harm whilst performing live with Mayhem and. Um, He's a generally mental and well and needed help. Um, and he one day blew his fucking head apart with a shotgun in the band's shared home um, and left a note that said, excuse the blood. Um, he also left the band a song, uh, perhaps ironically titled Life Eternal, um, which ended up on the next Mayhem album, The Mystery Stop and Satanus. But what makes Dead's death, even though it did obviously turn the press and the mainstream media back onto death, uh, black metal, what makes death, Dead's death even more disturbing is that when his corpse was discovered by Mayhem guitarist and record label boss Euronymous, instead of calling the authorities, Euronymous took pictures of his uh, dead band member's body and took fragments of his skull to make necklaces. That's um, right, yeah, I remember that. The th- authenticity of the it's second act has been uh, called into question, but apparently it did happen. The um, current and longest-running um, Mayhem bass player, Necro Butcher, originally left Mayhem because of those acts. It was like, you literally taking photos of and pulling apart the corpse of my friend. What is fucking wrong with you? Um, so they split up for a bit after that. That photo then ended up on the live album for Mayhem, Dawn of the Black Hearts. So if you go on the internet, type in Mayhem, Dawn of the Black Hearts, there's a picture of dead with his fucking head blown off, Jesus. still clutching the shotgun that he killed himself with. Wow. Um, yeah, it's fucking crazy. That's, that's fucking insane. Man. Yeah, that's... Wow. The black metal chaos would come to a, a, a peak with the death of Euronymous himself. Um, who was stabbed over 20 times, mostly in the head and face, by Burzum's Vagvikanis, the guy who burnt down all the churches. Um, that was kind of killed it dead then. That was when it all kind of 
spread to other countries and it was just you know the Norwegian scene ended more or less at that point and the initial kind of gestation of it um, but generally if that basically what I'm saying is if all that mad shit didn't happen I had to get it in the cast um, if all that mad shit didn't happen black metal would have just stayed obscure I reckon but history has dictated otherwise that's my bit on black metal over with anyway fucking <laughs> chaos yeah that's, uh, chaos. talk about like sensationalism to the max like that's that's fucking they insane were, they were generating their own revenue but at that point yeah. it was like it become what they set out not to be like super popular you know everyone was into it you know because it was just like you imagine like you know at one point like um Burzum guy had killed Hieronymus the mayhem guitarist he hadn't been apprehended and he was like boasting about it in like Kerrang and shit you know it's just nuts man um, Bur- Burzum guy has now been released from prison and he makes uh dungeon synth dark ambient records which are of mixed quality I will be doing a, a, another video on a uh, discography video my second one will be on Burzum anyway fuck all that shit Remember we were talking about rat metal? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Call, call it what you want, right? Yo, red Call it what you want. Yo, red <laughs> Call it rat metal, groove metal, alt metal, whatever you want, because similar to how speed metal was overshadowed by thrash, all of these terms were quickly overshadowed by new metal, which came to life when a band from Bakersfield, California, called Korn, released a self-titled album about and they were mixing grunge and metal with hip-hop, kind of backbones like bass and drums. Um, and that's when new metal started, and that's cool. when my historical, my intense historical notes stopped because we all know new metal. We were there, so I want to talk about this together. We were there, man. For we fucking were there. ages. We were there. So, what do you remember about new metal, guys? Linkin Park. Fantastic time. Fantastic time. Linkin no Park came to me. It brings back memories of uh, Napster and Kazar for me. <laughs> this is this is how I discovered all these bands was was through. Uh, Zero regrets at all of any of that music. But through pre-Metallica naps there and uh, Christ, yeah. you know what I remember doing? I remember I used to have a fucking flip phone, right, with a kind of shitty ass camera on it, and I used to record songs on fucking Kerrang and stuff, <laughs> and fucking put them back. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that with a handheld tape recorder, holds up to the television. Great. Yeah, yeah bands. Those were the days. Sort of bands like, uh, well, I listened to anyway. It was like Slipknot, Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park, those sort of bands that. Was sort of my first introduction to, I guess, rock music. I guess along with, you know, like Green Day and Blink One Eight Two as well on like that sort of end can't, of, can't of, of rock. But I'm Papa oh, Roach as Papa well, Roach. obviously. Um, but yeah, it was that was kind of like my gateway into what I listen to now. I guess is like, you know, everyone grows up with a certain type of music, and that's what I grew up with was that era. I guess. Are there any new metal albums that still stand up today? Ooh, I would, theory. Hybrid Theory would definitely stand up today. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, th- theory, I thought that and I tried listening to Hybrid Theory and I just can't do it. I've listened to Hybrid Theory in the last Timeless. couple of months, I think. <laughs> it's a great album. Yeah. Um, Someone's supposed to come in with a guitar then, you fucking <laughs> <useless>. <laughs> um, I'd say... Uh, I don't know. I guess like I like. Um, it's a bit later though. It's not because it, I really like subliminal verses, but I think that's a bit later on. But even Iowa, we're talking a lot later, Sam. Yeah, we're talking a lot later. But, um, subliminal verse was two thousand and three. I would say yeah. new metal was officially dead by then. Yeah, to be honest with you. Um, but no, I don't think Slipknot a fit. I, I know the first Slipknot started as a death metal band with jazz influences. You know, Matefield Killer Pete. Dogfish Rising or something like that. Dogfish Rising, <laughs> fucking horrendous. <laughs> um, they got Mr. Burns samples in there. 
like Smithers, get me this band. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the, the self-titled has a lot of tropes of new metal. They got like almost hip hop kind of feels to some of the songs, and like there's like DJ cutting in there, and it's just like I don't think I always new metal. I well, you got wait, so. wait and bleed though, and all that. That's that's you know a lot of fucking yeah. proper rap metal in there. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. When it's, I don't think it's quite rap, but it's like rapped almost. Yeah. Even though he's shouting or singing in the Terry Date remix. They always used to remix their singles. I don't know why they did that. More people listen to them, I suppose. Like if the album version it, of Wait uh, and Bleed is a lot heavier gives, than uh, the Gives Sid Wilson version. something to do, wouldn't I, I guess. <laughs> 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 but yeah, but if you see the music video for Wait and Bleed, or the music video for My Plague, they're completely different songs yeah. Yeah. to the album versions. Totally different. It's definitely weird. Really. Are we going to talk about the uh, the origins of the masks, maybe, or is that that's like a you fucking whole thing? That isn't it. It's not really. I, I think what they say is clown just brought the mask along one day, chucked it on, mm. and realised he played much more and inhibited with it on. Like he was doing all sorts of fucking stupid shit. So it weren't lit. like a, a diss to Mushroom Head. No, that's what people say, isn't it? Is that what, what some Mushroom Head fans will say is that Mushroom Head? Is that they'll say that um. Mushroom Head was shopping around, were being shopped around um, as a good selling independent band, and they got passed upon by um, some of the majors. And then the majors, like Roadrunner, manufactured their own masked new metal band. And then they just pulled these death metal weirdos from Iowa and turned them into this band. You know, they were like, we're going to make you the next metal superstars. That's what people say. Could it be big, I don't kid. Think, I don't think that happened. I think both bands just there happened was, to wear masks. There was a war of words between Slipknot and Mushroom Head for a a long time, wasn't there? Mushroom Head. If you if you look this up, um, either Skinny from Mushroom Head or Corey Taylor from well, Slipknot will say it was more or less entirely perpetrated by the fandom. Uh, right, the bands fair. never really. There was one instant where Slipknot played um, Ohio and they got fucking like bottled and shit by and their fights died. Oh God! From Mushroom Head fans, so yeah. you're playing that band's hometown and you've been accused of you know stealing their image. Um, I mean, at one point, it, it they looked really similar, but the only reason both bands had jumpsuits and looked the same is because Mushroom Head thought this had stole their image. So they then just went full jumpsuits in black to like... And that's how the X-Face came around for Mushroom Head. It was like all ah. their masks were gone. Because Mushroom Head had a pig, Mushroom Head had a goat, Mushroom Head had all sorts of random shit, like clowns and stuff. So when they found Slipknot were a thing, they got rid of all the masks and Mushroom Red had all different masks and then they just had black face with the, the X's on their face. The X's signify. were fucking awesome though. That symbolised that their image had been stolen. So that was, that's with the X face. Okay, I've got okay. it on my arm. You can't see it, but there, but yeah. Um, uh, what about Slipknot and ICP? Was that a thing? I don't think there's ever been a thing. Uh, <laughs> ICP you were just you rappers. YouTube is, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot of bullshit it? it's going to be, but uh, yeah, they're, they're like in a radio station, I think Slipknot are, and uh, either ICP come like barreling in or they fall. This is all on Howard stuff. Stern stuff, isn't it? It might be Howard, Howard Stern's Stern. show. It seems like a Howard Stern kind of thing. Like, there's a Howard Stern stuff. with, um, there's a really good Howard Stern with ICP and Sharon Osbourne, where she's like, your next album isn't going to sell any copies. And they like they bet live on air like 50 grand that their album will go gold, and it did. <laughs> and like, Sharon Osbourne never fucking gave them the money. Um, <laughs> you know, which is funny, really. But um, she, she was like, who are you? You're, you're fucking nobody. You know, you, you, my husband and his work are timeless. You're just some fucking flash in the pan. But um, yeah, ICP did a lot of new metal stuff in the late 90s. It kind of feeds in. 
Uh, again, wrestling music as well. That feeds in. ICP did yeah, the, the theme song um, for the oddities. That's that's actually Even wrestled for a bit. That's something I was actually going to bring up was uh, the segue. Segue the uh, the link to wrestling, more namely, I guess uh, WWF or WWE as it's known now. They had uh, so I think the music, the lead sort of lead music composer for WWF, Jim Johnson. He created most of the iconic sort of themes that you know like steve austin's theme and rock's theme stuff like that he basically yeah if (laughs) if i could put in right now a quote of like alec guinness as as obi-wan going obi-wan kenobi going now that's a name i've not heard in a long time a long time jim johnson i had all the jim johnson cds of all the themes, I fucking <laughs> forgot. You know, it's a name you've just never heard or thought yeah. of for like at least 20 years. Wow, like James Jim Johnson. I think it was about five, I think it was five years ago. They unceremoniously just sacked him out of the blue for no reason because they said that his music was dated and no one wanted to listen to it anymore and hired like these really sort of young up and coming producers to do their new stuff. And now most of WWE's entrance themes are all like sort of pop and hip hop based. They're really bland as well. They're really bland. Oh, it's gone but, now. Um, it is. It is. My, 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 I raise. Why can't they just have both? Well, exactly. Why would they keep like, Jim Johnson around? They do because, like, some of the old like wrestlers are still around, so you still hear some of like the old themes, like, um, you know, the sort of themes that you hear metal bears like Triple H is one, probably the main one with Motorhead. You know, um, yeah, it's actually he, Triple H has had three different themes. Two of them, well, from bands anyway from notable bands so two of them were motorhead so it's the game i think which was written f- was that written for yeah, triple h it was written it was written for triple h it was the, then, one of the exclusives on like i think volume five of like the jim yeah. johnson cds and, even though it wasn't jim johnson's music uh, what was the other one bow down to the game was the other one that he came out to um and that was later on in his career but then he also came out to Metallica at one Wrestlemania what song was it For Whom the Bell Tolls maybe um, Metallica nice. did his entrance his entrance theme for that um, Edge uh, his theme is Alter Bridge Metal Ingus which is also on our playlist yeah, um, indeed. Uh, we had then like Raw themes Oh, so we had like oh, Undertaker sorry Undertaker had two he had Kid Rock for one um, American Badass, yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, American Badass. And he also had Rolling by Limp Biscuit for a while yeah. as well. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you, you had them. You had Drowning Pool doing the theme to SmackDown at one point. Uh, you had, God, I'm trying to think now. I know later on. Oh, you had Papa Roach doing the theme for Raw. Didn't Didn't um, Union Underground have a theme for someone? It's like, play the fucking music. That <laughs> <laughs> rings a bell now. You fucking Oh, you had so Rob Zombie done a couple of songs. These are like pay per views. I've got a list of pay per views for me now. I'll, I'll list some of the bands. So uh, obviously Limp Biscuit, uh, ACDC even done Howie the Hell for one of the pay per views. That was SummerSlam '98. Did they perform live on there, or did they I just do the song? I think for it? so. I think it's just the soundtrack. My Way by Limp Biscuit. Like... Um, My Bo- Way or the Highway. Bodies by Drowning Pool was for SummerSlam, but it ended up. I think that ended up being SmackDown as well at one point. Um, Saliva had a song on there. Puddle of Mud, Kid Rock, Rob Zombie, Creed. I didn't even know Creed did a song for WWF. There we go. Um, yeah, and then you know you're coming into 2003 and stuff, and you had like Evanescence and and people like that doing uh, 
doing songs for him. I know Nickelback did the theme for Raw for a while uh, with Burn It to the Ground, which is actually a really good song, and I hate to admit it, but it is a really good song. It's a really nice riff in it. Um, bands like Seether, Seven Dust, Stained. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Right. Um, later on, you had CM Punk came, and his entrance theme for a long time was um, This Fire by Killswitch Engage, which I think is one of the best entrance themes to date. Um, it's very notable guitar riff at the beginning. Um, but yeah, and because of WWE, I think it introduced... I know definitely for me at least, it introduced me to a lot of uh, music that I normally wouldn't have, have found. And it may not be so much metal in the music that I've introduced, introduced me to, but there was a lot of sort of like rock just you know like hard rock sort of songs as well so i mean the next what kind of fell when new metal was obviously the one of the more popular things um um but what what was going on like around the time like i said you had that melodic death metal and that kind of led into metalcore um which had its roots in the early 90s but then kind of became its thing in the early 2000s and again i, I haven't got no notes on metalcore because it wasn't really my thing but it was a huge thing at the time my area though um, Shannon and perhaps here we go this is, this is much more your guys area we I remember about like, your Atreyu and stuff are we or Kill Switch yeah Kill Switch um, Shadows Fall almost um, what was the other one um, what was the one that had like the worst is yet to come oh still remains oh, still, still Christian, remains Christian rock still band they were some were they really I didn't know that were well, indeed yeah, were they I, talking about the rapture then? The worst is yet to come. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would say that uh, metalcore metalcore is actually the reason that we all know each other. Absolutely, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah got, I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely, we've got we've got metalcore to thank for us knowing. Uh, well, myself, Tom, and Gareth. Have we mentioned in other? I think another episode somewhere along the line we That's met so in a band, in a metalcore band called Alkali back in the day, and we met Sean through Tom. Who also played for Arkley in a brief period. So much um, our session drummer. So yeah, um, we actually um, we I learned roughly, very roughly learned um, the end of heartache by Killswitch Engage. Yeah, to to jam with you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, metalcore. Uh, like the when I think of metalcore, the band that immediately pops in my head is Killswitch Engage. That is the absolutely. It's it, the, I I feel like they are the sort of poster the poster band for metalcore, um, and. For good reason, really. I, I think they've been pretty consistently good um, in that I genre for, for I'm a, I'm a long outside time. Of, I'm outside of this world. I can't even think of any other metalcore bands, to be honest with you, other than the ones I just mentioned. Like, uh, still remain. I don't even do they even count. I have no idea. Yeah, I'd say they count. Um, you got your trio. Uh, maybe even Eighteen Visions. Uh, what else you got? Um, oh, Eighteen Visions. Yeah, fuck. I forget these bands exist, man. Maybe <laughs> Thirty Six Crazy Fish. Oh, I do. They were actually pretty good band they were quite progressive in some of their own their own ways the album uh bitting us the star um that's a fucking really good album 36 crazy faces lovely bass sound some good lovely, stuff yes really really they were almost hardcore influenced in some ways um, um you do have uh well both my valentine would be metalcore as well i know they they sort of bleed into the it's a very good show. There's thrash influences there. Uh, there's thrash influences there, but they are metal. You, you, you know, you, you listen. You actually listen to the music, and it is metal. Yeah. Um, Same uh, with I think uh, what you've put on the playlist, uh, Trivium. Trivium again, yeah, another yeah, metalcore band with a lot of yeah. really like quite visible 
um, thrash metal influences, definitely. Yeah, and Ascendancy is a, a like is a great album. Like I remember when it first came out, I hated it. I couldn't stand Trivium when they first came I out. Like Trivium, it's um, Matt Heafy. I, I just, when I listen to him, I can just see his face. <laughs> no offense to Matt Heafy, it just never been for me. Um, I remember when they did like an unannounced secret gig in Cardiff. And the bath, guys like, of a different oh, name, yeah. isn't it? I think that yeah. Ascendancy was the the band name. I think. Oh. But yeah, I I remember when it came out in school, and I think it was because of certain people liking it and you know when you're younger and you, you just don't like something because someone someone else likes it it was yeah. that sort of thing but when i actually sort of sat down and listened to it i was like actually this is i, I actually enjoy this this is this is good and i always i always look for hooks and good guitar and that's that's my basis of a good song essentially for me is if it's got nice guitars it's got a good hook in it i'm happy uh for the most part but yeah trivium uh, good band another one uh was as i lay dying um, oh, of course. He tried to kill his wife. He went to jail. Did he? He hired someone to kill his wife. Oh. The main guy, I can't think of his name. And uh, he went to prison for it. What about uh, bands like Every Time I Die as well? Oh, I love Every Time I Die. I wouldn't say they're metalcore such. They no, got like no, a, I wouldn't. A, don't. They got like a, a western-y kind of uh, influence. I don't know what I'd call it, really, to be honest. But, um, no metalcore, yeah. definitely. I remember Every Time I Die getting lumped in with the whole Southern Rock kind of thing. Southern Rock, yeah. That's... But I don't, I don't know if I'd call them that. They have that swagger to them. But Southern Rock, I just thought of all crap like Black Label Society and all that whiskey drinking like fucking Clutch, redneck Clutch now. and stuff. Like... Yeah, I suppose. No, that's they're, a good they're not like Clutch a fucking class though. Clutch, Clutch a class. Yeah. No, they, they're not um, like them. They are more metalcore than, than that type of genre, I suppose. I fucking love Every Time I Die. Fucking amazing. Yeah, like almost, they almost have mathy elements, I would say. Yeah. Every time I die. Like yeah. the spazzy little bits, like mental shit going on in there. Um, Another one on on the playlist we had as well was Avenged Sevenfold, and they were pretty big. Yeah. Pretty big. Yes. Uh, going through the 2000s. Um, mm, another another yeah. band. Uh, <laughs> I can I can understand why people don't like them because of M Shadows' voice. I can really understand mm. that. Um, but, like, again. Uh, I think Sinister Gate is a really good guitarist, and that, that's kind of why I, I I don't listen to them often, to be honest with you. But I don't mind when they come on. It's just one of those sort of bands. But I've always got time for Sinister Gate's guitar playing because I think he's a City really of good guitarist. Evil. City of Evil is a guilty pleasure for me. That album, Side A, the first four or five tracks are just like fucking boom, banger after banger after banger. You got Beast of the Heart, City of Evil. And then they had one track off, I think it was a single off the next album called Almost Easy. I love that Oh, well. yeah. Um, even though, it, I think that was used in wrestling, possibly. Which, um, which song had the, uh, the huge Fear and Loathing influence? That was Backcountry, Back Country, it? that was, yeah. That's the fucker, yeah. Cracking video. Someone hit me because I'm talking about... You've also got... He um, who makes a beast of himself. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that era, you had like um, Deathcore, which we've touched on with Bring the Horizon. Um, you had like Suicide Silence, Annotations of an Autopsy. Um, we've got what have we got on the podcast on the playlist? Whitechapel, I think. Whitechapel and Parkway Drive. Do you put Parkway Drive? On? Parkway Drive. Have we got Bring the Horizon on there? We haven't. No. Feel free to add it. Hmm. We, you know, just check it on the end. They haven't interested like about Bring the Horizon. As I was saying earlier, they just seem to evolve and evolve and evolve, and it's constantly changing. Yet oh, they're they very versatile. Still. I, it's, 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 I, I appreciate I do I do appreciate it's, it's weird so genuine like um, with Bring Me because like I I, hate, I really didn't like their early stuff I can't stand their nope. early stuff at all but then as they evolved there was a period where they had this sort of they still had like a rough 
gritty sound, but then they had a very melodic sound at the same time. Mm. And when they meshed those two, I thought, oh, they're on, actually onto something good beer. And then they went off on one and went too far to one side. And it was like, oh, okay. But then the newest album, I had a list, and I was like, this isn't bad. And they done a song with Baby Metal on there. And that was just... <laughs> That was insane. That song is that. That's been on my regular rotation since that song. Uh, what's it called? King, do, you, do you like baby King, metal? Kingslayer. Eh. And don't don't dislike. I would say, but it's there. <laughs> you know, it's not like you know, not an avid listener. But nah. funny thing about baby metal, they got like all those little girls, and then they got like this like Darth Vader samurai looking motherfucker that plays the guitar. He's like the most badass looking guy ever. Like he's like. Um, but I, w- I would say also, list, like, listen to the song Kingslayer because it's so good. It's just wicked. Like I actually got the um, the instrumental of it. Um, I found it online because I was doing a mashup in my spare time just for fun. And I listened to the instrumental all the way through. And I was like, oh, this is really good just on its own. Just like, you know, without any vocals whatsoever. It just sounds really good. So, yeah, that's <clears throat> something to keep in mind. And that was only released last year. <laughs> So there we go. Jumping ahead, jumping ahead a bit on that one. But. So, uh, a quick honourable mentions um, that I didn't cover. Um, one of them being Gent, which kind of comes into like the whole bro core, metal core, death core thing. That kind of people kind of moved on to Gent, even though Gent was kind of Meshuggah being over fucking donkeys years. But all the scene Gent kids, like, all the old scene kids seem to roll into Gent. That's, that's yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That, um, yeah, they they just cut their fringes and uh, <laughs> and stretch their years. Yeah, that's all you got to do. French Gent is, is you got to do down to down to the guitar bit. No, we're not down to you, but a very expensive guitar with thicker strings. Nine, yeah, like seven, eight, eight, nine strings. Do you get do you get nine strings or is it just a meme? I'm not sure. I know you definitely get eight strings on seven strings. Um, Tune it down to earth. Drop. <laughs> Gent is all. Uh, I think the the, the the Gent genre is named after the the sound of the guitar, like dun 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 dun. you know exactly that. And this characteristic for awkward time signatures and weird... It's guitar player's music, I think, Gent. Yeah. Um, not to, you know, shit on it. I, it's not for me. But um, it's really, really big. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of some Gent bands that isn't Sugar, Tesseract. Um, what's that Periphery. one? Periphery. Like? Periphery. They got Gent elements. Periphery are a really good um, band to listen to. They got such a, like a unique guitar sound as well that as soon as I hear that guitar, I know it's Periphery straight away. Oh, yes. shout out to a local, local act, Chaos Trigger. Have a oh. lot of gent yeah. elements. Their album Outpost Thirty One, very genty in many parts. Um, yeah, threw in some Murphy boys. I don't know if there's anyone from Earth are in Chaos Trigger anymore. Brad, maybe. Don't know. Who's he have it there? No idea. Um, but yeah, my final. Um, I forgot to mention power metal and pirate metal, but fuck all that weak shit. Um, Celtic metal. Celtic metal, Viking metal, like. <laughs> have, we, have we missed some of the bands on my jackets as well? Possibly, so yeah. White Snake, Death Leopard, um, Stratovarius. We didn't talk about Dream Theater. I didn't talk about bands like that. Power metal, kind of, you know, symphonic. Oh, Dream Theater is an influential like, one. one I'm not a fan the, of such, but. The guy on the left guy has got just nothing but fucking kiss patches. Or <laughs> kiss patches. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dream Theater are incredibly um, influential. I have listened to the early Jim Trader albums for that reason. It's it's not for me. It's almost oh. like Rush in some respects. I really like Rush, but I don't I'm like the same. Um, don't like Jim Trader. I'm the same. To be honest. In that sense, I think. Um, so yeah, and that's how it ends. Really, we everything Dream is derivative. Alive, didn't we? we did. They bored the fucking tears yeah. out of me. They were on before um, Demo Borger. They were, yeah, even before, after. I can't remember, but um, and with them, Temptation as well. We're on at the same time. They were 
Oh, so a band, band we didn't mention was Lamb of God as well. That's a yeah, that's, yeah, that very that's popular another, band. Yeah, I quite Lamb of God. Everything is derivative. Originality is impossible. Yeah. Metal is dead. <laughs> that, that's that's my ending note. And then so metal it's not died. obviously. It did just have looks just in case we missed any like notable ones. I know I saw Caliban in here as well. I know you like Caliban. Oh, Caliban, yeah, oh, I yeah. love Caliban. What's um, the name I don't know what. Dillinger Escape Plan as well, isn't yeah. Dill- the classics. And under yeah. what? Under what are Dillinger? Me- what, what metalcore. Dillinger under? Metalcore. Metal not Dillinger. a chance. Yeah. Not a chance. Mm. It's, it's interesting. I, I've seen a few bands actually in this list that I wouldn't necessarily say they're metalcore. Like I, I, saw, said a lot of me- I saw a band called uh, Chunk No Captain Chunk in here and they're, they're, pure, <laughs> they're pop punk, like they're not metalcore. Remember Bleeding Through? Yeah, I remember Bleeding Through. Used to do that thing with the guitar, and they had that um, bird on the keyboard as well, didn't they? They did. Yeah, they were definitely a metalcore band, weren't they? Or, you know, yeah, they were prime metalcore. I can't remember any of their songs though. I'm trying to fucking rap. Nah, I, I wasn't a fan, though, to be honest. So I kind of so them like yeah, Caliban. No, I, I, I was um like a Barry band. I wasn't a fella Barry. Crazy yeah, Barry band. Barry band. Like this hardcore stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we, we're doing all right for time. Big um, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a quick quiz at the end, um, you know, to, to cap it off and have a bit of fun because um, you know I like doing quizzes. I don't know. They, quiz they because few of, university challenge on us. Few and far between, really, these days. The, the quizzes and the stickers. So I like to get them in. Um, so it's a quiz in two parts. The first part is called Metal Band or Medical Malady, or both. And for the purposes of being fair, I will say each question in the voice of both a doctor and a death metal vocalist. <laughs> so you can get a good feel for both. Again, are we talking totes, brutes, death metal, or of that nature, or bizarre medical condition, or both? You good to go, Rich? I'm good to go, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> First one, then. I'm sorry, my dear, you seem to be stricken with a case of hypertrichosis. This next one is called Hypertrichosis. Uh, I'd say band. I'd say band. Band. Wrong, it's a medical condition. <laughs> I searched high and low, all my known sources. Why isn't there a band called that? <laughs> what it's is it? What is it? Excess hair growing on your skin. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that a band? That's got to be a band. <laughs> so no points for anyone. <laughs> Second question. I'm sorry, my dear. You seem to be stricken with a case of hyperemesis. This next one is called Hyperemesis. <laughs> I'm going to go with band again. Band. <laughs> I'm saying not band. You're all wrong because it's both. So yeah. I guess you get half points Fuck or one point. We'll but go one point, keep it simple. Yeah, because I can't, so you, I can't do, you do get, half in one note. One note in so if you get, if, if, it, if, it's, if it's a both and you get both as the answer, you get two points, okay? So yeah, no, um, right. hyper, hy- hyperemesis, hyperemesis. Hypermesis, not sure how you say it. It's extreme nausea and vomiting caused during pregnancy. It's also a fucking amazing gore band from Canada. Um, I'm terribly sorry, my dear. You seem to be stricken with miasmic ooze. That's a band. This, that's that's a band. A this next band. song is called Miasmic Ooze. That's band. a band. You all saying band? Yeah. One point to everybody, it's a band. Fucking great band, by that's the way. That's a great name. That's a really great name. Tremendous name. 
we have best name, name. Best I do, name of ever. I do some names in my time, and that's, that's a great name. And I know a lot of bands, and I know a lot of great names. And you know, you know a lot name. of what you would call gene bands, and, and yeah. that is up there. Miasmic ooze, fucking great. Um, I'm sorry, my dear. I don't know how to tell you this, but you have polystiotic fibrous dysplasia. That's uh, uh, Me- medical uh, condition. Medical condition. Yeah. Medical. This next song is called polystiotic fibrous dysplasia. <laughs> what? As- I say medical condition on that as well. Yeah, could be yeah, both. Yeah. So th- could be. What are you saying, Gar? Both or medical condition? I've seen a medical condition. Okay, so you're all right. It's a medical condition. I couldn't, for the life of me, find a band with this name. That could easily be It is a disorder. Both, I don't know. That's, I could again, easily. opportunity. You could have easily just made bands with these names. Yeah, could I have. Yeah. I could have just, like, <laughs> 10 minutes ago and I smashed yeah. it on YouTube. Um, so, po- pleostotic f- fibrous dysplasia is a disorder that features the replacement of multiple areas of bone instead with fibrous tissues, which causes fractures and deformities of the legs, arms, and skull. That's a fucking bad one. It should be a band name because it's fucking hanging. I couldn't find a band name. I might start a band called that. And yeah, just... <laughs> that's a, and again, I missed opportunities. A lot of missed opportunities going on there. I'm terribly sorry, my dear. I don't know how to tell you this. You seem to have a case of dip, dipros... <laughs> diprosopus. Sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> this, this next song is called Diprosopus. <laughs> That's it. Just Diprosopus. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say medical term. Both. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying both. You're both wrong. Uh, Richard is right. It's oh, a medical yeah. condition. Um, I couldn't find a band called Diprosopus. Again, why isn't there a band called that? It's a- what are people doing? I'm surprised it's not a band. It sounds like a band, doesn't it? And I've uh, I forgot to write down what that is as well, so I don't know what it is. Um, I'm gonna have to start a couple of grindcore bands, Sam. Diplodocus bathroom party. <laughs> I'm terribly yeah. sorry. To t- I don't know how to t- tell you this, my dear. But you seem to be c- stricken with a case of the jigai. Oh, jigai. This next uh, this next song is called. Band. Jigai. Is that what it is? I've said it in both voices. I'm not saying any kind of. Band. Both. <laughs> I'm gonna say both. <laughs> <laughs> did it? Did everyone answer? Uh, yeah. I'm going to go band. Band. So what were the, what were the answers again? Both. Richard was banned. Uh, those two Tom are banned. Both, yeah. both. So everyone gets a point except Tom. Jigai is a Japanese obsessed Czech Republic go grind band. I think Jigai has something to do with blood and guts, like a sword thing in Japanese culture. Um, uh, not a medical term. Um, Jigai. Sorry, I probably fucked the pronunciation, so it's probably not helping. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm terribly sorry to tell you, my dear. You seem to have active stenosis. This next song is called Active Stenosis. Both. Active stenosis. I'm medical say condition. Med- medical term. I'm going to say. What did you say, Tom? Is it medical? Yeah, yeah. Both. So one point to you two, two points to Gareth. Um, it's a narrowing of the spine, which cuts off the nerves in your spinal cord. Oof. It's also a fucking unstoppable go-grind band. Um, I think from Russia, Ukraine, maybe, I'm not sure. Um, I'm terribly sorry. I don't know how to tell you this, my dear, but you appear to have an anal cunt. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to do the second one. Shall <laughs> <laughs> I just give us all the points? If you yeah, want to, yeah. unless anyone wants to guess wrong for the sheer fuck of it. 
Um, so the second part of the quiz is um, exactly the same game, but instead it, it covers the other parts of metal we've done. And this is Fantasy Fiend or From the Frostbitten Fjords. Fantasy Fiend or From the Frostbitten Fjords? Just mythical yes, creatures so, or bands. So is it a mythical okay. creature or is it a band of like a black metal, power metal, fantasy kind of um, theme? Or is it both? Because a lot okay. of shit has been borrowed from, from those things. So I will say the names out loud in a wizened wizard voice and also in a grim and frostbitten scowl. So you can get a fair, accurate feel for both. Um, again, are these band names or names of places from fantasy novels, etc. or both? Okay. So... They call it Akakoki. The band are Akakoki. That's a band. That's a band. Um, yeah, you, uh, you've seen them. They wear so suits. So what are we saying? We band Satanic or both? band with suits. They do. You're absolutely spot on. Might be both, yeah. though. You never know. I'm going to go band. We all go band on it? Yeah, Christ, I know who they are. So one point to everybody, but the correct answer is both. No. Um, so one point to everybody. Um, they're a British black and death metal band yeah, named after a satanic monkey um, <laughs> from Robert Nye's sneezy, sleazy fantasy novel, um, Faust, and the guy who sold his soul to the devil. Okay. Um, they called it Sirithongol. And I wrote in my zine about Sirithongol. I love these impressions. <laughs> fantasy, I'm going to go there. Sirithongol. Both. I think Burroughs found a way to cover his spread, but only. Firefall spread. <laughs> uh, lovely spread. Lovely, lovely, lovely spread. Um, I'm saying both. I'm. I'm gonna go both as well. You see, damn well told. Fantasy. Did it, Did everyone say both? No. Yeah. Oh, fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. Um. So one point to Tom. Two points to everyone else. Um, so the Hungal is a place in Lord of the Rings. It's I thought, also the name I thought of, this sounded familiar. No. It's also a metal band. Yeah. Um, they called it Gorgoroth. And then I drank acid with Gorgoroth. Band. I know it's a band, but could it be a fantasy thing too? Oh, you don't do this, aren't you? I'm going to say both. Yeah. Both. I'll, go, I'll go both. Where are you at, Gar? I'll stick with band. I'll stick. I'll stick with band. Uh, yeah, I'll stick with band. Sounds like an underworld. Um, it is uh, both. So two points to Tom and Rich. One point to. It is also from Lord of the Rings. It's a place in Lord of the Rings. Go yeah, I, I knew that. I knew that one. <laughs> they call it Birdsum. The twat who burnt the churches. Was Bartsum. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Dead giveaway. So, <laughs> gotta fuck myself on that one. I band. don't know where the origins of that name would have come from, but I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say just, just band. I'm gonna say. Yeah, I'm gonna go the yep. same on that. Yep. Everyone yep. just band. So one point to everybody, but two points for both was the correct answer. It's also from Lord of the Rings. Bertsum means darkness in Orcish. Oh, actually, well, I did, know that. I did not know that. No, did not know that at all. It approaches the Dimmu 
I drank much whiskey, friend, with Kaltband Dimo Borgir. When you say you're like a wizard, it could be both. Could it be both? That's yeah, this is the say. point. Or this is the point. Could it, could it be the voices both? were um the voices were uh, an afterthought, and I, I think it works because it could be it could go either way. Mm. As terrible as the voices um, are. Like I'm just going to lock in like band. Fun. I'm sorry to say, I'm just going to lock in band there. Band. We know it's a band. Yeah, I'm gonna go band. Play it safe. Yeah, three points. Everyone is a band. It's not from any fantasy. Uh, it's Norwegian for Dark Castle. Oh, okay. I never knew that. There we go. There we go. Today we have learned something. Yeah, <laughs> Um. Oh, I've run out of things a wizard would say. Um, <laughs> I told the tale of the Nagur Abundant. I have a rare cassette demo of first release from... Nagura Bungant. Both. <laughs> Both? <laughs> Band. Both. I don't know if I should have given two po- still give one point for people to say both when it's not. The answer is banned. Um, so one point to everyone, I guess. No one's really losing in this. Is but someone's going to be ahead of others, though, so I guess it still kind of works. No it's one wins in this game, son. Just do a little better each time, as Cleveland said. No one wins. <laughs> No one finally you loses. You just do a little better each time. <laughs> it's it's uh, Nagura Bungeon. I'm probably butchering it. Is Romanian for Dark Forest. It's a black metal band. Um, and then we enter the Carpathian Forest. Oh. I smoked crystal meth with members of Carpathian Forest. Well, that's a good band name. Just a quick question. Is this Joseph in behind you? No, she's upstairs. She's probably hearing me, though. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, both. Is it... Is it uh, get back to you in this one in a week's time, son. Uh, <laughs> like, that's a good band name. Yeah. But it's I'm also a place, isn't it? I just say band, son. Um, do you all say band? I said both. No. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go fantasy for that one then, because I haven't. Okay. Oh, oh shit! He didn't hear me. He didn't I, hear I me. Did, You're I, wrong. I didn't it's, hear you. it's a band. It's, it's a, a band. band. <laughs> um, Carpathian Forest is named after a forest in the Carpathian Mountains, which is a real place. I think it's in like Transylvania. Good God! You're back um, from the science. So, sorry, Rich. I, I jumped. No, I right. shot the answer out. Before uh, you said, um, I didn't realize. But um, fucking great band. Um, they got an album, Shining Black Leather, and uh, oh, through Titan Woods and Chasms, through Chasms and Titan Woods. Fucking great. Um, yeah, and so the last one then. Um, they called hidden Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. I sold my first pressing of the album Mephistopheles for 6,000 euro. <laughs> I'm running out of things to say, as I'm like sure I, you can tell. I feel like I know what Mephistopheles is. Fun. Fantasy. It's fantasy. Everyone gets a point, but only one, it's both. Ah! So Mephistopheles is a demon of many folktales, specifically German folktales. So safe the internet. He's also in the Faust story that I mentioned um, at the start, the Akakoka thing. Um, he's also 
It's also the name of apparently 96,000 different bands. Um, the most famous of which would be the, the Stoner Doom band, Mephistopheles, whose 2019 album, Satan Sex Ceremonies, was released to quite a high amount of hype that it cannot live up to, but let's not go there. And that is my quiz. Right. What are the scores, Rich? What so are the scores? In third place on 14 points, we have Tom. In second place on 16 points, we have Barra. And in first Please. place, just pipping it, is me with 17 points. Well played. Play nice game, good game. Good May game. you all drown in miasmic ooze. Good game, well played, good game. GG, easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I enjoyed <laughs> Nicely that. done, nicely done. And uh, for anyone, <laughs> anyone who isn't aware, I think the uh, the original concept of that game came from our um, Aned pilot episode, which will never see the light of day. So Did metal metal band or magic card, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, going through all metal bands and history of metal and metal, metal. Yeah, yeah. cracking. Apologies if it does get bogged down a bit, in, especially in the grindcore bit, which I wanted to keep short, like the genre, but um, ended up being ages. Um, I'm sure kid. there's loads of bands that we missed. Um, or I missed so. Feel free to start a flame war. Flame war is better than no comments. Yeah, <laughs> not wrong there. Not wrong there. Um, yeah, just uh, just to say as well on sort of the topic of music. Since we're coming to the end of this episode now, um, Barra recently did an interview with uh, Darren Smith yeah, of Funeral for a Friend, which is now yeah. on our YouTube, which you can watch. On our YouTube, um, it's a pretty good chat as well. Literally about his well his entire career with Funeral for a Friend the very start of Funeral right up to present day and everything in between a lovely chat with an old pal of mine Mr Darren Smith yes yes and uh, a lot of people have checked out already actually which is insane it's uh, yeah thank you very much if you've watched it already by the time this video is yeah definitely Um, and like we said before we've got the Spotify playlist which will or should be linked below um, in this video and we'll also check it out on our social medias and whatnot. You yeah. can check that out if you want to listen to some metal. Um, and, and if there's anything we've missed off yeah. it as well, let us know if there's something we missed off it. Exactly. What would well you put miss, on it? You know, what would, what would be on obvious. that kind of like... Mm. If you had to put songs on a, on a list of like, say, 50 to 100 songs that were like definitive to the development of metal, what would you include? You know? Yeah. It's really hard to make that that, that, that list. Um, yeah. Did you put any kinks on there? I didn't know. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it was already stacked on the proto metal by getting in all the bands I mentioned that aren't really well known, like Lord Baltimore and fucking Blue Cheer and all that shit. So I was like, oh, proper stacked at the front end with all those blues bands. Fair, 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 um, fair, fair. But you could argue none of that shit matters and the king should be on there for the reasons we covered earlier. You know, it's, it's one of those things you can't ever get it right, really. Um, I wouldn't want to write an encyclopedia on this. <laughs> I really wouldn't. Um, I am on the main stage in Donington, as you can see. Um, They've been standing behind. I'm not facing the crowd. What do I think I'm like Incubus or something? Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed there, it. Sir. Good job. Yeah, I don't know memory. where. I don't know where we're gonna go next. I don't know what's coming in episode three. Obviously, episode four is the standard uh, weird internet. But what comes in episode three, I don't know. Don't we tell them. Next month. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening. I don't know if anyone else is going to say. Oh, I'll wrap this. We good. Yeah. We're all good. Yeah, cheers. See Thanks for putting one. up with my shit and have a good one and we'll Thank catch you, you next time. Thank you very much, as always. A pleasure. Ta-da now. Ta-da now. So for the jackpot, is it the top, the middle or the bottom? Where